It's July 4th, 2022. This is Rook. Hi there, welcome to episode 190 of Rook. I'm Gian Gomeshi. Nice to be talking to you. Hope you're keeping well wherever you're tuning in from around the world. Hello to you from Toronto, Canada. Salam Dustan Aziz, Shoma. Hi there, Kian. Hi, Gian. The fabulous Kian. The Gian. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, it's a big show. It is. It's a big yeah. show today. It is a big and, show. And it's also the summertime, mm-hmm. and we've started our new one big show a week idea, mm. which we will then uh, meet out over the course of the week and on our different platforms. But we do one big show on Mondays. I'm nodding. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 we so. are. All killer. All killer. No filler. No filler. Mm-hmm. That's right. All killer, no filler. A July to remember, an August to remember. It rhymes. Best month of the Doesn't year. Doesn't rhyme. <laughs> What's the best month of the year? July. Clearly, be- best oh, right. weather. Your birthday is coming. The up. greatest human being <laughs> ever was born. <laughs> there we go. One big show week. Hamas <laughs> Karanats. I want to explain because. Uh, for those who are listening more recently to Rook and don't know where Hamas Karanat comes from, it's my father who was uh, born in Abadan and grew up in Khuzestan. Uh, by the way, hello, Captain Reza. Hello, sir. And Groovy Shaya. Uh, and he he used to say this thing, which <laughs> we still don't have any empirical evidence to, to suggest that he didn't make this up. But... <laughs> but there are people who have come out of the woodwork <laughs> across uh, North America who've uh, gotten in touch with us and said that uh, actually this they've heard this before. This this was some kind of saying that suggests uh, um, kind of like, oh, wow, oh, you know, Hamas yeah. Karanat. Uh, rolls off the tongue. Rolls off the tongue. But there is no evidence to back it up that it's an actual saying? slang or saying currently being used. It's difficult because my dad, yeah. you know, I've been through this, as I talked about this before, my yeah. dad was 40 years older than me, so right. he was going back to the 1940s, 1930s he was wow. born, you know, in, in, <laughs> in, in Iran. So when he, so he's growing up in the 40s and yeah. 50s, yeah. and uh, yeah, who knows what they were saying. In, uh, running around in Khuzestan <laughs> <laughs> back in the... Hamas Karanas. Who would have thought? So one big show, all killer, no filler. Today... Helio Bander, a visionary traditional dancer and educator, she's kind of been on a mission, a global mission to bring classical Iranian dance to the world. The story is that um, she was a dancer, left Iran, she was in Europe, and she was studying Egyptian and Spanish dance, and, and somebody said to her, well, show us classical Iranian dance, and she realized she doesn't know what that is. And in a way, nobody does, and she had to go back and kind of rehabilitate that and discover wow. the history and, and bring it to people, where, and she does workshops all over the world now and does performances. So Helia Bande, I suspect if you are familiar with the dance world and the Iranian dance world, you will know that name. She's going to be in the Rook studio. 
studio. Mm. We will vacate the Rook studio. Awesome. Get the riffraff out of here, Keon. Sorry. That's me. That is you uh, in your cola cap and Helia Bandit. Before that, though, also in the Rook studio, Dr. Uh, Rosa Moradi. This is um, an Iranian-Canadian doctor of natural medicine. She was a conventional doctor, uh, or I guess is, like yeah. riding a bicycle, you'll always be. Is that... Yeah. You, you know the doctor stuff. I'm not stuff. a doctor. I well, don't you're know. familiar with the doctor. doctor enthusiast. I don't get involved <laughs> in the details. Uh, and she discovered that um, conventional medicine was not for her, went to India, and has become a big advocate and educator around Ayurvedic medicine. Ayurvedic. Ayurvedic. Ayurveda. Uh, which is a medicine and a lifestyle, a natural form of medicine that began centuries ago in India. That's right. Hindustan Khodemun. Hindustan Khodemun. Yeah. So, and Dr. Rosa Moradi, I mean, I, she'll be in the studio in a few minutes. I, I, um, I know that she, uh, she seems like a wonderful person and, and she's got a big social media following and she's very accessible. Uh, so I suspect she's not going to be like a, a, a policeman, you know, in here. Mm. But I'm always care. I'm always worried about somebody's <laughs> yeah. going to then d- discover our diet and realize that it's a disaster. <laughs> Shame you. Um, Savvy Roham and Groovy Shai, you guys didn't come in earlier enough today because uh, this morning, uh, Groovy Shai and Savvy Roham uh, bought some Nuno Panier at the... Oh, uh, that's so nice. And uh, yeah, at the, what do you call it? Bagali? No. Bagali. Bagali. At the Bagali. Bagali is fava beans. At the Bagali. And so we had some uh, Nuno Panier, you know, it was yeah. so good. Sabzi too. Yeah. But I think Dr. Rosa Moradi is going to be like, come on, no, Nuno Panier is healthy. I don't know. No, I don't. No, I don't no. think. What? I don't think. What, what? What naturopathic doctor or what? What? What doctor have you heard say that Nuno Panier is good for you? But it's Panier or Nuno Gojo. Exactly. No, not good. Not good. What? I think it's I not good. I don't believe it. Well, let's see what she says. Well, I'm actually <laughs> super curious. I think curious. cheese is bad. Cheese for well, if you're lactose intolerant, I suppose. Let it's me ask bad. you something. Do you like cheese? I do. I like. Yeah, it it's bad for you. <laughs> Just because I like it. That's correct. Simple. Because you that. like it. If you right. didn't like it, it wouldn't be bad. So for you. if I say I like broccoli. That's it. Mm, bad, bad for you. you. <laughs> yeah, but I don't like it. That's the problem. That's the thing. It's good for you. <laughs> wow, what a logic. <laughs> what a logic. What a logic. So anyway, Dr. Rosa Moradi coming up. Helia Bandeh. Big show. All killer. Yeah, no filler. Oh, that's right. Hendusan right. <laughs> Uh Happy 4th of July. Happy, Happy Independence July. Day to, we have a lot of folks listening to us in the United States, and this is their Independence Day, and, and uh, three or four days ago was Happy mm. Canada Day. Canada Day, mm. Happy Canada uh, Day. Baby. Up until a few years ago, uh, it was Iran that one would think uh, of as an unstable, divided right. place that's always on the verge of civil war or implosion at any given time, deeply polarized. I feel like, Canada and the U.S. are not so far behind these yeah. days, you know? Like on Canada Day, hmm. I feel like the far right and the far left were united in hating Canada. Like uh, there was a big protest against, of course, Justin Trudeau and, and mm-hmm. people saying, you know, he's ruined Canada, et cetera. And then there was people on the left who don't like, don't even want to call it Canada Day yeah. anymore because of the oh, yeah. disrespect towards the First oh, Nations yes. and, uh, you know, and indigenous yeah, people. 
Um, and then in the U.S. today, I mean, if I based on my social media, half the people are like, "Screw Independence Day! We're we're uncomfortable with being my American." God, there yeah. was a, a mass shooting today on the July Fourth. It's a really sad situation. And based on the recent Supreme Court decisions around yeah, abortion, but that doesn't and, mean fuck America, I guess. See, Keon, see there what happens. <laughs> Keon's an American. You see what she gets all defensive. You're already yeah. polarized. Yeah, my hubby carried the kishvara like Canada and U.S. You know, it gave yeah. us a safe haven from our, the turmoil back yes. in the Middle East. So how no. could how could we be ungrateful? Well, I mean, uh, you're the one you've spoken yourself about mm-hmm. American intervention around the world and things like that as well, you know? How so? What do you mean? Do you want me to repeat what I just said? <laughs> you, you, there have been times where you yeah. have said, you said it with regards to the Ukraine, uh, yes. you know, the, yes. the the Russian invasion of Ukraine. You said, well, Listen, America has done this. I mean, there's, there's no perfect country. Let's put mm-hmm. it that way. There's some countries, they have more good to them than bad. I mm-hmm. mean, they get, it depends on. And I'm sure view. there's a lot of Iranian Americans listening who are very proud of mm-hmm. being American. But I'm telling you, I'm seeing a lot of people who are very yeah, disappointed is, right yeah, now. In the, but, yeah. you know, I mean, on the heels of, the racial issues and then the Supreme Court decision around abortion and then environmental ro- yeah. rolling back that stuff and the country's so polarized. Yeah, I mean, I it, and, and this it, investigation, January 6th investigation that keeps going on, it's just one thing after another. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We're coming to you on rookmedia.com. It's there that you can link to all of our platforms. We're on an ongoing mission to build a new audiovisual encyclopedia of Iranian diaspora identity. We are on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, Castbox. If you'd like to see some visuals with Rook, switch over to YouTube. Uh, if you like your Rook description, in Persian as well as English. You can find us on Telegram. All of those handles are at Rook Media. And um, if you want to support this program, you can become a patron. Go to our website, rookmedia.com, and press the Support Us button. Once again, um, devoid of any of the polarization, Happy Canada Day and Happy Fourth of July. And a big thank you to Hamid Reza Safipur for helping to make this episode of Rook get to your ears and eyes. Hamid Safipur, luxury custom homes. If you're in the Toronto area, frankly, if you're an Iranian Canadian, you may know the name Safipur. Hamid got his master's in civil engineering and got into the field of building and consulting on luxury homes over three decades ago. And in the last 20 years, Team Hamid and Nina have made the Safipur name one of the tops in the business. A name you can trust to buy your dreamland and buy your dream house. Safipur Luxury Homes have now teamed up with Remax and they're moving into um, also doing exotic high rises that are beyond things we've seen in Toronto before. If you are thinking to buy or sell or build your dream home, if you're anywhere near the Toronto area or interested in buying an um Acquiring here, get in touch with Safipur. Safipur, P O O R dot com. Simple as that. Or 416 876 4918 at gmail.com. Look at your screen right now. We put it up there. Safipur.com. Hamid Safipur, the big boss when it comes to luxury homes. You know what um, talented Anahita calls me? No. Rais. Rais. So now here's my question. Rais. And I'm certainly not asking you, Keon. To call you Rais? I need uh, no, I no, you should call me Rais. No, my question was this. Am I Modir or Rais? What's the difference, Shaya? Boss or manager? Oh, Modir's manager? Yeah. 
Oh, I thought Mudir also sort of meant boss. No? No, no. Mudir is more of a manager. Yeah. yeah. No. So I'm definitely Rais. Hamas got a nut. Did you know that the, uh, you know the uh, Bruce Lee's classic, The Big Boss? You know, have you seen that movie? No. You no. haven't seen it? The no, classic. The big, the big classic? What? Yeah, well. Oh, well, it's a Persian thing, probably. Reisa Bozurk. Reisa Bozurk, I tell you. Oh, yeah. oh, never mind. No then one's ever heard of it. <laughs> no one has seen Do we have to Google to find out if this is actually a thing? Classic. Never mind. <laughs> Did Modern Talking sing on the soundtrack? <laughs> but you see, that was... I, oh, by the way, I went... My girlfriend and I went to this bar like a few months ago downtown, and they were playing Modern Talking, right? Mm-hmm. So she was born in Iran. In Only Iranians know that band. <laughs> that's the thing, and she had no idea. She was like, oh my God, I have so much memory, so many memories mm. with this. I was like, but you know, nobody knows mm. about this. I think they're German. They they are German. And they're no German Germans band. ever heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> Not one German's Come ever on, heard of Modern Talking. They weren't talking. even big in Germany? <laughs> I don't think so. But no. I, I have Albanian friends who love Modern Talking. Chinese friends. <laughs> so know. it's like a foreigner thing. Christe Berge Hodemon. Yeah, I know. But what was funny is that she wouldn't believe me. I was like, ask anybody in this bar. She asked the bartender. She asked a couple of people there. Nobody had any idea. And I, and, and I was stunned too because I, I, like, I saw just like her that everybody knows. But... Mm. <laughs> there we go. All right. Just like Modern that Bruce Lee movie. Is she, how's she doing? Is she Mizun? She's Mizun. She's Mizun. Good. Yeah, yeah, all good. She was uh, uh, under the weather for a while there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's, I, you know, I explained this on my Instagram. Um, at the end of every show, I say Mizun Bashin. Yeah. And I don't know if I've ever explained it on, on Rook. I'll explain it right now. Do you guys know the story? Well, you I read it Instagram. on your yeah. caption. Yeah. So my it. uncle Behrang, my yeah. dear late uncle Behrang, he would, uh, I wouldn't see him that often, even though um, he, they, he and my uncle's family and my cousins moved to Canada as well, um, a little bit after our family did, but then they moved to Calgary. So we would see them, and we were in Toronto, so we would see them every you know few months or something. But when I would see him or get on the phone, he would say, Mizuni, Mizuni, Mizun. Uh, sounded kind of like you, Reza. Mizuni, Mizuni, Mizun. And so that, so, and Mizun meaning, I think the literal translation is balanced, balanced kind of yes, balanced, yes, you know. Yes, yes, but I think, I'm thinking, um, to, to ask someone Mizuni is like are you good are you solid yeah. are you balanced are you feeling yeah, yeah. I like that yeah. so yeah it's are a great are you balanced uh, yeah are you balanced actually makes that. sense yeah, right more yeah, than yeah. are you good are you balanced are you balanced yeah, yeah. so Mizun Bashin as the tag of what yeah. I say at the end of each show is stay you solid. know stay solid stay, I like it. stay balanced Mizuni uh, <laughs> and uh, Kian your birthday is coming up I have something to, funny to say which is that this weekend I discovered you know my birthday was two or three weeks ago mm-hmm. and uh, I had this g- gathering and you guys brought presents and stuff so I got this this really amazing like beautiful fancy box of cologne perfume nice. like soaps and all this stuff and uh, I'm looking at you, oh, Kia. Yeah. <laughs> and I had gotten all this stuff. It was really nice. And I, you know, I got a few presents in. And so um, Super P, who had been, you know, when I had that party, you know, kind of put like sticky notes on everything. This is who this is from. So I wouldn't remember, you know. And so so then I, I'm going through the presents the next day. And there's this beautiful, like, you know, this is a <laughs> chic, chic box. 
yeah, you know, a right sheik of like his cologne. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's a, there's a aftershave nice. and there's a you know sp- men's soaps. Care. Men's. It's like a store. It's like an entire store of you know, and it's a g- How glossy, big of a box? Oh, huge box, huge. <laughs> no, 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 it was actually very big. I mean, it's. I'm telling you, this was an an extraordinary <laughs> a gift. A mammoth of a box. An extraordinary <laughs> gift. So the little tag on it, yeah, like a, 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 a is like. Keon and and someone or something. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, oh, I, I no, see. Now hang no, on a second. No, no, no. Let me finish. Let Whoa, me finish. Keon. So, what did you so do? <laughs> I'm like, geez, you know, this Keon, she kind of doesn't. I mean, mm. we're friends, but she doesn't act that generous, you know, in general. <laughs> but when it comes to your birthday or an no, event she like, goes she goes all out. Nice. She gets you this fantastic. I mean, and I was just filled with love oh. for Keon. I thought. Oh this Keon, I cool. she's quiet about it. You yeah, know what I mean? Tarif yeah, yeah. She doesn't come and say, "Look, here are all the things I'm doing yeah. for you." She just it's your birthday. She gives you a, you open the bag. This gorgeous. She likes to surprise. She, she must have dropped month. I don't know five hundred dollars oh on this my thing. God. You know? oh, that's incredible. So what man. do I do? What does any thinking well, nice person do? I send a lovely message. Dear Keon, dear dear Keon, you went overboard. I, the, the, I, can, I, I should find the text. You went overboard. That's what a lovely can gift. She responds. No, what did you say? Well, you're welcome, Gia. No, no. Uh, no, no that's so no, lovely. Of course. Fast no, forward course. to this weekend. I'll give you your moment. <laughs> Fast forward to this weekend. Mm-hmm. And a dear friend of mine, who I've known for a long time, oh, wow. she says, uh, by the way, uh, did you get my present? Oh, wow. And I'm like, She um, bought you the same thing? Uh, like, I... <laughs> She goes, you don't even know, like, Yanni, you got all these presents, you don't even know what I got. And I was like, honestly, I, I feel terrible, but I don't. What I, I must have, it must have been a bottle of alcohol because I know a couple of, I got a couple of whiskey bottles with me. She's like, no, no, it's, uh, don't worry about it. And I was like, no, no, what, you know? And I said, well, it was this uh, it was box with the cologne and the after. <laughs> and I say, well, what, what's the name of this? Turns out this other friend of mine oh got me this. Keon, and you were trying Keon's to. Keon's been running it. around for three weeks <laughs> as if. Taking credit for Taking credit else's. for this. Hold on. Wow. You know, telling everybody in town she got me this thing. <laughs> May I have my money now? Can yeah. I? Keon, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't take credit for someone else's I gift. I did not. Me and Salman, my, my lovely <laughs> yes, partner. Yes, lovely We partner. showed up. Handsome we, partner. we met there at the party, and I knew he was bringing and something. And planned it together? <laughs> no. But anyway, so I brought something, he brought something. So when no. we. Let me finish too. Okay. Here's another part. <laughs> I think you guys also brought, you know, you brought me a b- bottle. I know that. Yeah. And and so I, there was a few presents. I was like, this Keon, wow. you know, so really at, what did I get from Reza and Shai? Yeah. These guys are bringing a little gift or what? Keon, this is a classy person. Yeah. What does a classy person do? She comes from a family. You know, <laughs> on, an, on an occasion, she brings she the, yeah. this box. So, with oh the, yeah. She's solid. Anyway, I we didn't coordinate before we were busy so we get there and i like you know we just walk in and you know give our stuff to patty so <laughs> oh and then the next day you send me this like wonderful message like oh thank you so much i don't know what, what this product is but it looks great whatever and i wasn't sure i wasn't sure if someone <laughs> gave you something uh-huh. and i i didn't want to act like i didn't i was like oh what is it <laughs> so i just said you're welcome wow. like, what do you want someone up to <laughs> giving people weird gifts and you guys cover I wasn't for each sure, other you guys don't talk to 
each other. Because <laughs> no, we can you anyway, imagine? I mean, this whole letter. Oh. I don't know what. I don't know the brand, but this you went overboard. She says, "Oh, you're welcome." I, I, I mean, didn't know. It was the, the meantime, she's got me like a sixteen dollar <laughs> bottle of wine from the LCBO. Oh, come on, I did not. And then my friends like. So when I discover this. I go, uh, yeah, honestly, yeah, I thought this so was, somebody else gave me that. <laughs> I just goes, well, really? Like, you know, and I said, she said, who? And I said, Keon, you know, and she said, well, did you, did you thank Keon? I said, yes. <laughs> and then she said, well, and then Keon didn't tell you that that's what I said. No, she said, you're welcome. Because I thought it was <laughs> Oh my God, now I look bad to everybody. Keon takes credit for gifts that she didn't give. I didn't know. I thought someone gave, anyway. <laughs> I, my intentions were good. I stand by no, my actions. No, no, Kia, we love you. I mean, it was just a funny, it was a funny circus. But for three weeks, Poor I've been Shane. wandering around going, you know, I was wrong about Keon. And Keon was she is, and Keon she was is all class. And you know, she didn't even make a big deal of it. Of course. She gave me this thousand dollar bottle of cologne. And not even, it doesn't even mention it. She was walking around thinking that, wow, I wonder what gift he got. I was, I <laughs> this really, thing is worth a car. I mean, I it's the price of a car would be the same as what this box was. I genuinely thought it was Salman. I was like, oh, Salman, probably. I don't know, some dude stuff. I, anyway. Oh, so funny. Uh, I kid. I, I you didn't. I, nobody has to get me anything. Actually, it was really, really lovely that anybody brought. He me remembers everything, <laughs> but it was, I know he had people tagging. I was gifts. I was mortified that I didn't know. I was like, I am a horrible. Yeah. Pro- I don't know what this friend of mine. said, dear friend of mine. I don't know what they got me. You know, I'm like, I I honestly don't. I don't know. You know. And she's like, what made you think he was from Keon? <laughs> Keon. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right. Um, thank you, uh, Groovy Shia, <laughs> Captain Reza. For nothing. Fabulous, <laughs> fabulous <laughs> Keon. <laughs> How do I downgrade the fabulous <laughs> Keon? I'm the, ra- I'm the Modir. I'm the Raiz here. Uh, <clears throat> uh, listen, we kid. It, it's not a big deal. Uh, let's get to our first guest, and then we'll come back on the other side of it uh, and uh, uh, talk more. So my first guest today is... Uh, coming into the studio here, an Iranian-Canadian doctor of natural medicine and a growing popular presence in social media, Dr. Rosa Moradi, who was born in Iran, grew up in Tehran until the age of 17 when her family moved west to help her interest in psychology and medicine. She got a degree in Toronto and then moved to the United States to pursue her long-held ambition of being a physician. She successfully finished the medical program, worked as a chief medical intern in one of the best hospitals in Chicago, and then she quit. Dr. Rosa came to the conclusion that traditional medicine was not for her. She took an interest in a more natural approach and made the life-changing decision to travel to the birthplace of alternative medicine, India. She attended an advanced course on clinical experiences in in Ayurveda in Pune, where she learned all the therapeutic hands-on treatment methods along with the preparation of herbal formulas by attending D.Y. Patil University in Pune, along with the collaboration of the International Academy of Ayurveda. She's now back in Toronto and overseeing a growing career as a doctor of natural medicine and an Ayurveda specialist and instructor. And she's become a rising online favorite as someone who promotes simple and natural ways we can live healthier lives. And right now, Dr. Rosa Moradi joins me in the Rook studio. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? So nice to have you on the program. Likewise, thank you I'm so not much giving up kebab. I'm not giving <laughs> yeah. up noon of hanir. Don't. I'm not giving up duch. Don't. <laughs> 
<laughs> I get this what all the time. <laughs> I get this from every single Iranian. Are dish. you going to shame me no. if I tell you my diet? I won't. Oh. That's the beauty of Ayurveda. <laughs> we won't. Uh, it's um, how do you feel when you hear your story back like that? Oh wow! What a what a journey! What an interesting yeah, journey! It is. I mean, it's quite a journey from from Iran to Canada and America, then to India, uh, and then sure. back west. And I want to get into your story and sure. and the eureka moments that <laughs> sure. led to your current path. Let me sure. let me begin by asking about something you posted last month on Instagram. Um, it's a poster that says, "We are not living on Earth; we are Earth." That's right. What does that mean to you? Um, that's the fundamental root of Ayurveda is one person will be at the ultimate health level in terms of mental, spiritual, and physical whenever they are connected to their true source. And what is the true source? It's the nature. So what we usually, um, I always say this, we are so connected in terms of technology, but disconnected spiritually. Mm. And disconnected naturally as well. So whenever we try to concur nature, we're taking some part of ourselves away as well. So Ayurveda actually helped me to go back and look at the source, the true self of us as a human being, which is nature. There's no difference between us and nature. So I am a part of nature, but I am also an earth and nature in me. So interesting. You're right. I mean, when we talk about, I don't think it's ever occurred to me, when we talk about anything else ants lions yeah, dogs yeah. they're part of nature they are. but we don't include ourselves no, we exclude ourselves we in don't fact. exactly we are interacting with nature that's as opposed right. to we are nature that's right what do we learn if we start to include ourselves as nature oh my god everything else will be just uh, so so much less complicated mm. so if i am waking up one day and i'm looking at the window and it's windy and I'm starting to complain and complain, and I'm going through a stressful day, uh, you know, work or even a school, what have you. And then I'm eating the food that will aggravate all that stress as mm -hmm. well. So if I kind of, un along the way, disconnect myself from that wind that I saw over the window and paid attention to what should have I have eaten, to decrease that wind, the blow, which we call bloatedness during the day mm. and the stress, everything else would have been, you know, just like a puzzle, piece of puzzle, and we would have been so much more easier. I know it's complicated at so first. So we're more in touch with nature if we eat better. Of Is course. Is that what you're saying? Yes, because um, the fundamental part of Ayurveda it's, goes back to the five elements. But what we usually do is we see fire outside, but we don't realize that there's a fire in us. We see an air, but we don't realize that there's in us hmm. and also earth. So when you see five element in nature and connect that to yourself, that's the ultimate goal, health actually. Hmm. Now, I, I let me issue the disclaimer that I'm, I'm a fan of natural medicine <laughs> okay, and, and people who practice it, but mm -hmm. I- <laughs> <laughs> There's a but, okay. No, well, I, 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 I I want to speak for those sure. listening out there, and, and to a certain extent for myself, sure. that sometimes this stuff can get a little hippy-dippy. Sure. Right? We are Earth, man. Mm -hmm. As long as you know we're Earth, everything's going to be fine. It's like, well, that's not going to pay my rent. No, that's Or, true. you know, help me get from one place to another sure. or, or uh, fix my knee. That's right. In the immediate. Mm -hmm. So um, that's why I'm glad that you, um, you've had this creative kind of journey where um, you know you didn't just learn all of this at Burning Man right. uh, or, or at a, a you know folk festival but yeah. but you you've in fact become a medical doctor and you you've seen the inside of that and now that now you've taken this alternative approach you posted something else too hmm. which was a write-up about um, how we are not our job titles 
which I, I really appreciated. Thank you. I thought this was interesting for you, though, because when it comes to being a doctor and an Iranian, um, we place a lot of status on doctors in the Iranian community. Everybody does around the world, but particularly the Iranians like the doctors, Sad. right? How would you rather be defined? Rosa. Um, you know, whenever I think the main problem is ego. So um, in Ayurveda, I actually tried my, my best to overcome that. Uh, there's a difference between I am and am I. That's the biggest fundamental philosophy of Ayurveda. So if you keep questioning yourself, if you keep learning, if you're just open to new knowledge and, and um, you know, adventures, that will make you a better person, you know, as you grow older. But what we think, and I'm speaking of Middle Easterns in mm -hmm. general, we get the title, and that's not only Middle Easterns, by the way, though, uh, is in, in mm. United States as well. People put their plates number as doctors. Sure. So, um, they kind of close the other doors uh, to gain more knowledge about, you know, how the doctors are perceiving right now, the natural medicine. They completely disagree and they say, no, you take this. Mm -hmm. But what, did, what do you know about it? Did anyone teach you in the medical school about anything in natural medicine or no? So saying no without knowing the concept, it was just very, very something weird for me. And I think um, we are way more than our job titles. Being an Iranian doctor and also, mm. um, you know, DNM was another doctorate degree for me. So I gained both. Um, I didn't just become an you know educator, a counselor, or mm. I, I went all the way through four years of doctorate degree and again. But you're aware that I mean, funny enough, recently we've had a couple of doctors, people who who became uh, medical doctors, mm -hmm. who have become social media phenomenons, yeah. you know, and. Um, and in both cases, I, I think we've even talked about it, that uh, that their popularity has been facilitated by the fact that people have, and especially Iranians, mm -hmm. I, I think, mm -hmm. have a natural kind of tendency to go, oh, doctor, so she must know what she's talking about, you know? <laughs> and it, 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 help, it gives you kind of a, an immediate credibility, even when you're talking about something that has nothing to do with anything you've studied, you know? That's like, true. these guys are talking about I whatever, know, and it's I like, know. well, it's a doctor, so they I must know. know who's gonna win the <laughs> hockey game, you know? No, uh, well, that's the sad part, yeah. Uh, there's surely there's a time for I am rather than am I. I mean, you wouldn't want a young woman who's saying I am strong to reverse that and say am I strong, would you? No. What I'm talking about is the I am factor that will lead to the ego. So whenever I have, I have a lot of students that I teach. So when they come to the office or when they're actually attending a Zoom, I always say put your ego behind the door and then come to my class. Because um, for me, it doesn't make sense if you go in a restaurant and you're making a reservation and you go, I want a table for Dr. Rosa Murad. What, what is going to the waiters or waiter or chef do uh, if they find out that I'm a doctor? So that ego part is a very, very sensitive topic. So mm. whenever you're repeating yourself, I know the best. Don't I you am want a the better table? Uh, no. You don't? No, whatever. Good for you. <laughs> no, you can, we can put you in the back yeah, next to the... It doesn't okay. matter. It doesn't... <laughs> <laughs> it really doesn't matter. But uh, whenever you keep repeating that to yourself uh. and you're creating that bubble of I know the best 
and you're closing yourself. I always call these people, you know, one-dimensional. Yes. Unfortunately, a lot of medical doctors are one-dimensional. They're not open to even read about natural medicine. Don't you think that, um, I mean, I tend to blame everything on social media, so I have to be careful, but don't you think that that has been reinforced by social media where people go into their, they find their affirmation, they go mm-hmm. into their echo chamber, and they'll just be surrounded, surrounding themselves with whatever, uh, the affirmation of whatever they already believe. So mm-hmm. if natural medicine is na- naturopathy or whatever is bad, I'm gonna find the people who tell me that and I'm gonna look at it every day and be reinforced in, in my um, particularly non-nuanced thinking. That's right. Uh, you know, social, I, I agree with that on you, actually, uh, sorry, with you, on social media part, because it's the part that I think everything now is going out of hand. So we see the, the most prettiest part of people's life on social media, uh, which I always c- talk about it on my mental um, Ayurveda courses. And we tend to follow someone's diets, uh, follow someone's uh, daily routine, and also, you know, their title. So um, by being a naturopath, buying, I don't think it's fair to say they're all bad at one, you know, they're not, they're just information. However, with me or you going into social media and looking for that title, um, that is a tricky point, to be honest. Right. I, I, I want you to be able to not like gain the knowledge yourself, to educate yourself first, hmm and then go and see who is the right person to talk to. But you're also on the show because you're a doctor, right? <laughs> if you were just Rosa Moradi uh, spouting off, I maybe know. we'd have you on the show, you're, you're great, but I mean, it helps that you've got that of pedigree, course. right? Of course, and let me be, uh, sorry, I think I need to be a little bit clear on that. So there's nothing wrong with being a doctor and also gaining more information, of course, but I didn't stop, that was the thing right. with me. So I could have stopped by two courses and nobody would care about who I am, you know, or just go Costa Rica or anywhere else and get a two month degree, but I didn't stop. I wanted to, as my dad always said, don't do something or do it to the end. Don't do something or do it to the end? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that sounds... Yeah. Uh, uh, there's also Anakikad, Anakit Tawamkad. Tawamkad. Exactly. The person who does the job is the person who finished the job. We're going to define Ayurveda in a little bit. So in case somebody's listening and going, what is this thing that she keeps mentioning? But a couple of more general questions before Mm -hmm. I get to your story. Um, Let me throw this at you. What's the greatest issue you believe we have in terms of losing our way and becoming a less healthy society? Uh, Social media, it's one of the biggest. And also not knowing our own body's constitution, which we'll go back to it when I talk about Ayurveda. Mm. But um, we have so much more information out there than ever before. However, in the West, I think that uh, we are under the impression that the more is the better. Mm. That is what is actually keeping us unhealthy. That I more o- is better. Yeah, unfortunately, the less is more. Mm. And my whole ideology is that the less that you do, uh, but do it effectively, you're gonna see the most benefit out of it. But in the West, we think, oh, I. Uh, Ginger shots are there, turmeric latte, so I'm gonna get it every day, I'm gonna get. So every single thing has been more and more in terms of quantity and quality. But also you said something a few moments ago that I thought was really profound, this idea that um, we are more technologically connected than we've ever been. Yes. 
but we feel less connected than we've ever been on that's, some levels, right? That's so true. Or we are less connected yeah. to the to the earth or to each other. Exactly, it's uh, spiritually disconnected. Right, and and I'm assuming you believe I've I've talked to enough folks who um, believe in natural medicine and mm-hmm. and organic living, and so I, I, I'm assuming you believe that we are all being prescribed and taking too many pills as a panacea to our ills rather than a preventative approach of taking care of ourselves better, right? That's right. Um, and not necessarily pills, supplements and vitamins. And oh, vitamins are bad? <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> They're not good for everybody. That's, uh. a, that's another issue that I see. So whoever can't find me, they know where to find me. I'm either in the health food stores or just like eavesdropping because I love to see how people are choosing mm. their vitamins and supplements. So uh, by, oh, my aunts, you know, took melatonin. Let me take melatonin. I'm my cousin said that <laughs> I thought that was in Iran, but no, nowadays we see this more and more with supplements and vitamins here. Right. So whatever um, it is out there, I'm sure it's good, but not necessarily good for you. I've taken uh, <laughs> two things okay. since I was a kid. So since I was like a, a teenager, mm-hmm. I took this active men's vitamin. That's one of those multivitamin <laughs> okay. things. Uh, <laughs> like religiously. Okay. In fact, like once my my medical doctor, my family doctor, yeah. GP said, um, uh, why are you taking those? And I was yeah. like shocked. Like, what, what do you mean? Uh, yeah. To stay healthy, right? Yeah. And the other thing is I take this thing called Fluoracil. Okay. Now you will probably appreciate the Fluoracil. <laughs> it's like, what is that? It's a... Vegetable, vegetable silica, silica. yeah, okay. and which I think when I was nineteen or something, I read helps your hair oh. because I didn't want to go bald, <laughs> okay. and so it's the natural supplement that That's you know right. grow it makes your nails and your hair strong, right. and so I so now I'm afraid to go off the fluorocell. So <laughs> no. far, it's worked. I'm not bald yet, you know. No. So I <laughs> so I take these Please. things. But every, who told you to take them? Uh, I. I don't know. I don't know. I I mean the multivitamin I just seem like uh, what you have to what you're supposed to do, right? Yeah. yeah. And then you start to accumulate them after to, you know, some somebody says, "Oh, you need vitamin B." And then the other person says, "You need vitamin yeah, C. C." And so then there's this little mound of things that I'm taking I along know. with my fluorocell to make sure I don't go bald. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you won't go bald. <laughs> How do I know? Maybe the fluorocell, the vegetable no. silica has been helping all well, this time. Well, let me tell you this, maybe the mixture of the men uh, <laughs> supplement that you're taking (laughs) is actually helping it Uh, or maybe it's just your constitution is a type that it will not allow you to go bald so a lot of people (laughs) a lot of people are you know they have a tendency to go bald but not yeah not you (laughs) (laughs) and my nails are strong because of the vegetables because of the vegetables (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i mean it's worked so i don't want to you know you know um but it is an interesting question of, of how we get we get into these ideas of what our health is, what we're supposed to do for our health, yeah. and then we can't kick it, right? I mean, the, the truth is, I've been sick a hundred times in the last twenty years, you oh, know. Yeah. But no matter which vitamins I'm taking, so apparently they're not they're foolproof. Not foolproof right? Exactly. The only thing. Um, I usually tell my patients that by eliminating what the supplements are taking, they feel ultimately better because mm. half of those stuff they don't even know why are they taking. <laughs> <laughs> what does it do to their body? And maybe they have some side effects. I'm not giving up the no, fluorocell. No, don't, don't. don't. Uh, gentlemen, if you don't want to go bald out there, <laughs> I don't. have no idea if this works, but it's a <laughs> not some naturopath once told me, take some vegetable silica. And so cool. um, let, let's get into your story. It's an oh. interesting. So you're, you were a kid in, in Tehran. Yes. 
And um, the story is, from what I understand, you always wanted to be a doctor. I but always wanted to be. This a doctor. wasn't one of those Iranian parents pressuring no. you. You. No. Why did you always want to be a doctor? Um, I don't know why. Uh, I can tell you that my family, nobody in my family was, was a doctor, and I'm the only child. So every time that I wanted to, you know, I don't know. Like in the school, I was always good in biology, and uh, I loved law as well. But um, it was just something about memorization and human body that fascinated me. Yeah from the very early age, like, you know, uh, high school. And when I talked to my parents, um, as a matter of fact, they did not push me at all. My dad said, just be good at it, go for it, whatever you choose. So that, that was the whole beginning of, oh, doctor, okay, so, but then what do I have to do in order to get there? I didn't know that I have to do psychology or any science and all of that. But I just said, okay, maybe being an actress on the side. But oh, you, the actress <laughs> yeah. as well, doctor and actress. <laughs> that never yeah. happened, but right. yeah, yeah. And did you? Um, w- were you interested in helping people as a kid? Was this? Would somebody who knew you when when you were ten go? Of course, Rosa's got this popular Instagram channel now that she's helping people. <laughs> Yes, I mean, it's not good for me to say it, I think. It's uh, better to ask those people. But um, I have that in me, as they say, mm. um, if, if, even in, in very eight, like seven eight or eight. Or I actually, my grandpa, my dad's father, used to be involved in herbal medicine. And I didn't know. I was very, very young when he passed mm. away. So now I remember in Iran, in Iran mm. yeah. So I remember like people coming into northern part of uh, Iran and going to him and be like, I have eczema, what can you make? And I remember him actually going around the farm and picking up. So maybe that's something that uh, made me actually interested. It was in me all along, but I didn't know. So your parents, um, you, you moved west when you're 17. Yes. And it's partly because your parents want to help yeah. your education? Yes. Um, which is, sweet right it is the sacrifices that persian parents make very um did you want to move west did no. you you want to stay in iran no no i want to friends stay, um, and oh yeah and i cried i think the first year of moving here was the complete anxiety and depression uh, i knew i was gonna get a good grade in concur and uh, at that age you know all my classmates were getting into um tehran medical school which was my dream to go to so I always blame them that why did you actually bring me here? I would be better off there. Yeah. Um, and so, you, but okay, <laughs> they win the argument. You move west. Um, that's actually quite amazing that they they did this for you, Thank but you. you didn't actually want no. to do this. No. Um, and so, uh, what leads you to where you end up going to the states after you get mm-hmm. your? Was it a psychology yes. and science degree at, at, right. at York here in Toronto? Yes. You go to the States, you, you're going to be a doctor. Yes. Right? Done. So um, medical school. And then there's this moment, if I have the story correctly, mm-hmm. you're in Chicago mm-hmm. and you've, you're, you've become a doctor. Yes. Uh, you're working in a hospital or something. So what happens? Uh, number one, uh, two things happened. Number one, I was not happy when I was actually doing my clinical rotation. I was happy that I was helping people and uh, finally the white coat is on, so. Um, But it was just something that at night when I would come home, I was not happy. Of course, that relates into um, uh, US healthcare as well and insurance bases and all of that. But it was like, why, you know, I'm giving this, like we're giving this um, cholesterol medication to 35 year old woman. And also the same dose of same medication to a 65 year old man. 
and no one's questioning their diet, no one's questioning their lifestyle. So I started questioning a lot and uh, called my dad, of course. Um, and he said, are you happy? And I said, no, I'm not. And he said, okay, so we'll, we'll finish this and we'll figure it out. I know you will figure it out at some point. Mm. Um, and when it was done for me, and you know, when the cap is just thrown and you see your Persian parents tear in the eye and, and you're like, okay, I did it. So now I can decide what else to do from now on. And so you leave the medical US. profession. Yes. Uh, how, how hard was that? I mean, um, I'll get to the cultural mm -hmm. pressure part, but just as somebody who's worked for years mm -hmm. to become a, to get this to, you know, this, this dream yeah. since you've been a kid, yes. how hard was it to make, make that decision? Um, it was not the time that I was in U.S. that I kind of like quit. It was the time when I moved to Canada and I was getting ready for the board exams and I, I passed those exams, which were, were really hard. It was, you know, they know, who, you know, whoever's trying, they know how hard they are. And then uh, I was told that my marks may be getting, you know, just matched to Nova Scotia area. So it was, we were in the talk with a lot of hospitals. And then we had health issues in our family. Mm. That was the turning point for me. Um, you know, going through uh, a lot of health issues, my parents, and then of course, ultimately myself. And I was like, okay, I need to find an alternative way. Um, you know, I always say you'd never know, any doctors would never know the psychology of a patient going through a sickness until they become that person. Um, I always thought, you know, medication, go by, you know, call, phone calls, we'll see you in six months. But what the patient is taking, that devastation feeling, uh, that frustration was unexplainable. So I remember myself, you know, sleeping at Sunnybrook Hospital, waiting for appointment for my mom, waiting for my appointment for my dad. Please, I know this is something serious. So that only I know, like, okay, it's, there's a lot going on to, into this profession. Yeah. And no one's actually letting us know what to do next uh, to not let this go or prevent it from further occurring. Um. Can you talk about what the, the, the medical troubles were? You don't need to. If you um, yeah, very, very like personal, but I can say that cancer bases. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. And yourself as well? Um, I was almost, <laughs> almost got diagnosed as well. So uh -huh. it was just like a lot of stress on me and right. uh, on, on my parents as well. So I think the ultimate sickness of, of tiredness, of um, I was losing weight and uh, of course, it didn't get to the point of diagnosis, but it was just very, very exhausted and mm. tired because it, it happened right after the next, like right, uh, my dad first and then my mom. Wow. Yeah. And when you, um, my dad was, my dad actually died at Sunnybrook, so I, I know, I know well the yeah. the, the the sleeping yeah. there and and you know, wondering what's happening with your parents. Um, uh, so. Um, you must have, when you became a doctor, and you talked about the throwing the cap in the air and the tears in the eyes of the parents. Yeah. I mean, it, it must have been a point of pride for the extended family, etc. Oh yeah. How how was the reaction when you <laughs> when you said I'm giving up, I'm uh, I'm leaving this? Um, the reaction of my parents, um, because they saw what I, I did was helping them. What they were like, okay, what is this? Uh, number one, we have this like weekly meetings with my parents is still today and we talk about various issues so that was one of the okay we need an immediate meeting i decided that i do not want to go back to the residency 
um, I have the medical degree background, so it's never gonna go anywhere. It's with me. I learned anatomy, physiology, everything based on that. But I think what it helped us and our family to recover and get better it can help other people. Hmm. Um, of course, I remember my mom said, will they give you a doctorate degree in natural medicine? And I said, yeah, you can go all the way, but it's another four years. Right. And my dad goes, well, you just finished, you know, eight years, nine years, another four years. I said, it's okay. I'm, I'm willing to take the risk. So you have a weekly meeting with your parents? I d we do. This is not, I'm presuming like, that's not the only time you see them. <laughs> no. <laughs> you, you have chai. No, or you, no, you, we do. We you do. hang yeah, out otherwise. Yes, we what do. What is the weekly meeting about? Um, it's typically anything. It started when I was a child. But you schedule the meeting. Oh, yeah. Like it's like a, yeah. it's on Official, the calendar. Yeah, on the calendar, yes. Uh, that's amazing. You Thank you. You. In, you ensure that there's going to be a communication. Oh, of course. Uh Wow, that, the only time I've come close to that is actually because of the pandemic. We oh. started doing a weekly. We oh, did no. Zoom meetings, <laughs> Zoom you know. Meetings, yeah. But but so what? So what? Who chairs the meeting? I mean, how does it? Me. <laughs> um, no. It wow, <laughs> you really now, now I know you're Iranian. But OCD. Yeah. I, uh, OCD. Yeah, yeah the kid. I, we have a scheduled meeting now. Uh, no, yeah. um, it started when I was a kid, and it all started with movies. I loved watching movies and and going to theater in in when I was a kid. So we usually will talk about, we'll watch a movie together and then we'll talk about it. Uh, and I was very, very, very young and I got used to a habit. I was, okay, that's nice, nice. And then my dad, my mom said, let's just change that to a book. So we read the same, same book and then we talk about it. Oh. So the whole My idea. Family's the best. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's Thank really you. cute. Thank so you would read the book together, or yeah. like separately? Like separately. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then we will say in two weeks we all be will be right. done, and then right. we'll have a meeting to talk about mm -hmm. it. And that with movies and books it remains the same. Uh, although I wish I would have had more time to read a non-medical, not natural medicinal mm. book, but that remains still. So we have our movie nights and all of that. But weekly meetings is just something. <laughs> is there an agenda for the weekly meeting? Do you send out a, no. this week, you know, here are the five points that we're going to be discussing? <laughs> Every Monday, I actually say, even that could be as easy as buying a new chair or like furniture uh -huh. for a house. Because right. it's our house and we're all deciding. So we have to go together. We have to know how, assemble it together. So. That's Are there times true. when you call your mom and you just want to, hey, mom, how's it going? And she says, can, can this wait for the weekly meeting? No. Because <laughs> I'm very talkative. <laughs> they know that I can't wait. Uh, they can't wait, but I can't wait at all. So so um, tell me about uh, going to India. Mm. Um, and first of all, the decision to do that. And then uh, what it was like when you when you got there. I mean, was it, sure. pr presumably it was everything you wanted of because course. you've since followed that path. Yeah, yeah. I called it life-changing mm -hmm. in the introduction. Was it life-changing? It was life-changing, for sure. Talk to me, tell me. Um, so it, whoever's studying Ayurveda, they know that this is an ancient medicine rooted in, in India. So um, it's everybody's dream to go and learn the actual, the ancient medicine from the source. And um, as a part of my practical, just like how is it, it is in medical school, you have to go and rotate in the hospitals and work, but there's no hospitals, natural hospitals here in West. So there's only a few options and India was the main one. So with the help of the school, um, I went and I was the only one because it was a beginning of pandemic and, and no one wanted to travel. Mm. So I left and as soon as I landed, it was just like wow I, of course i was dreaming about like bollywood and all of that but nothing like that uh, however um 
different different environments, different energy. Mm. And the, the whole idea of people struggling a lot, but learned to thrive and survive with energy was just fascinating to me. Then of course the um, part that I had to work in 12 hours shift and hospitals and then 18 hours in the clinics, learning it from masters. So it, it looks like a Western hospital, but it's natural, na- yes. natural medicine? It's Ayurvedic hospitals, yeah. And did you know about Ayurveda before you went there, or because there's different kinds of, of naturopathic medicine, right? Yes. And and so was did, did you intently want to study Ayurveda, yes. or did you discover it in India? No, I did it here because I had to do some part of my school here in Canada. Okay. Um, so it was Canadian Indian Associated the school that I attended to. So my first two and a half years I studied here, and they gave me some credit, of course, because I have an MD. Um, mm. So it was less than actual four years. I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> I guess <laughs> they I, get I guess the title meant something then. No, uh, well, they, yeah, they yeah. thought it would be repetitive for me to study sure. anatomy yeah. and physiology. You didn't. You weren't just Rosa no. in that meeting. That, like, I actually I have was, a doctor. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, and then when you went, you know, when I go, um, I, of course, you know, you see the different part in every single aspect: the way they eat, the way they. Mm. Diwali is the way it, you know, I, I it, it actually stayed a little bit longer than my whole process. I just wanted to know and travel from south of India to north of India uh, to know the culture, to know what is the cause of this joy, why all sort of different, you know, religion and, and different mm. background. What is it that keeps them so close to one another? So can you t- t- give us a brief de- description or definition of Ayurveda? Of course. It contains of two words, so Ayur and Veda. Ayur uh, uh, meaning uh, life and Veda meaning knowledge or wisdom. So it's a wisdom of life. Mm. And what what does it actually mean in terms of practically uh, uh, applying it? Sure. So I'll tell you the difference between a traditional medicine. We mainly focus on a physical body. Mm. Ayurveda says, well, now more in in terms of mental as well, Um, especially in the recent years, we focus more on mental health. But in Ayurveda, it's a three-dimensional. We say healthy body, healthy mind, and healthy soul mm. or spirit. This aspect, the last one, um, it's been taken away from a traditional medicine. So whenever you have an ultimate health in all those aspects, then you can only say, I'm a healthy person. And when you find out that wisdom that is in you, in every single cell, that knowledge, then you can incorporate all these th- uh, three together and say, I found out the wisdom of the life because I'm connected to my roots, I'm connected to my consciousness. Mm. Yeah. Now, let me say at this point that having done a little bit of research on Ayurveda, because I was very curious, uh, since you're a practitioner, um, uh, looks amazing, Thank looks you. like a, a, the the... the the journey of it, the the history of it. This isn't something that somebody discovered last year. This yes. is goes back, you know, throughout history. Um, but also, there's some. Uh, I, I just feel like we should just throw out the disclaimer there. You're certainly not suggesting that Ayurveda is the cure for everything, uh, no. cancer, etc. No. Because there is some controversy around that. There's right. uh, medical organizations that want to explain that this right. don't believe that Ayurveda is the, the answer right. to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and what about the uh, idea that there was some leads or some issues with um, that uh, that can be problematic issues with the, the medicinal Ayurveda? Can you speak to that? Um, in terms of medicinal Ayurveda, what's the problem? Um, 
Well, wasn't it banned a few years ago? It, it was. Yeah. It was uh, mainly um, in terms of regulation. Uh-huh. It was a lot of because once again, so people would go take you know mini courses, and will advise people on taking teas, herbal teas, infusion, etc. And uh, people will get, of course, they don't know, they didn't know where to get the source, the actual good source from. Mm. So whenever you're getting the source uh, of her, any herbs from, and of course, unfortunately, not well-known source, then you can actually get impurities in all those medicine mm. as well. So the, in terms of regulation, it was a lot of discussion, but then WHO recognized it, and uh, FDA also, you know, we, I constantly am in talk with US and India and Europe. And now, finally, they got to a conclusion that no, it, it does work. It's not banned anywhere now. No, it, no. It, that was a no. That, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, and and tell me about how how this trip to India. How long were you there? Three three and a half months. Three and a half months. Yeah. How did it change you? I think um, I always like to travel alone. So um, again, I went alone and. Um, I like to eat like local. I like to, you know, just hang out. <laughs> the, the first thing was just like I didn't know how to bike, you know, just right up. <laughs> but then jumping in in the back of the motorcycle to get there, these things. I think it just made me realize and appreciate um, h- how one country with all that differences can, as I mentioned before, can just be so connected. It mm. completely changed my appreciation towards India. Um, I always call it the best country in, in the world. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Why did you not stay there? I wanted to, but then again, my job and my goal was to now gain the knowledge and now spread it into West. Mm. So Toronto was the place that I could come and I saw potential of explaining and educating people about what I learned. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. I, that's a good segue because I was going to ask what your your mission is as a doctor of natural medicine today. Yes, exactly. So education. Um, you know, my students will all know I love teaching. And even though I'm practicing in the clinic at nighttime, I come home and Zoom meetings and teaching in classes, webinars. Um, I'd love more people to know about this more and more, not only Canada and Toronto, but all over the world. So who are the people who seek you out now? Uh, I mean, you c- clearly have a, I've talked about this online presence where you're, where you're popular and, and uh, who, who's coming to you? What, what kind of problems do they come to you with? Um, I'm the last resource that the people usually come to me. So they come with the piles of files of, um, you know, natural medicine, naturopathic, homeopathy, um, specialists and family doctors. And they're like, okay, we, we did all of that, but mm. nothing is changing or we need some more. Uh, I don't do any advertisement. I haven't yet uh, because I was like, okay, the flow is amazing. And word of mouth was the most important, uh, actually, advertisement for me. So people will come there two types. Uh, two types Uh, one is prevention so they come to me and they're like I'm healthy I'm going to gym I have a healthy diet but is there anything else I should know or Mm. do Um, and we'll just create a path for them in terms of lifestyle and diet the second types of people are the people who are already diagnosed and they just come to me they're like alternative ways or anything to reduce the side effects of medications Mm. that we're taking because I, I can we can never tell them to stop their medication but we can actually alternate the side effect with the help of herbal medicine to make them you know, less effective to side effects. That, that's part of the difference between you and a medical doctor, I mm-hmm. guess. The, the medical doctor you go to when there's a problem, yes. uh, but 
uh, a natural medicine person you you want to go to even when you're doing well right. to try and prevent the problem. That's right. I, I don't want to take anything away from medical doctors no, who no. would presumably say eat no. well, get sleep, whatever course, as well. But yes. um, so so what is your? I, I, I was joking earlier about. Um, first of all, you, what is this on the desk? I mean, you probably got some potion in there. <laughs> Is that it's Ayurveda? Tea, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, okay, will it I hallucinate is. if I have some of it? <laughs> no, you oh, won't. Oh, okay. it, it's just my natural routine uh, tea All that right. I have. So you carry that everywhere. Everywhere. You're really this. What's this? Uh, tell me about why you're such a big believer in in tea. Tell. I mean, that comes naturally to Persians, the of tea, course. and Indians and for Indians, that. Yeah. But what? Oh, there are different kinds of teas. Um, what are, What are the benefits of tea? So it depends on what kind of tea we're talking about. So are we talking about herbal teas uh, or damnushes? Uh, is it just for fun to have in the evening, uh, a little bit of rose petal and water and just to calm ourselves down? Or are we talking about infusions, decoctions? Or what I have here is kashayam, uh, which means, I know, <laughs> which means that we soak the herbs and overnight okay and which herbs have you soaked uh this one is for my immunity so okay. it's a uh, it's a lot of uh, tulsi or holy basil in it uh, along with sage and other powder mixture of uh, spices that i i love according to my own constitution mm. so we soak them overnight it's and a, a orma sabzi of tea no, you have all these like no. herbs you know? <laughs> i know every day i have all day <laughs> Uh, and then in the morning, we actually, when I'm cooking it, I have to cook it and reduce it uh, to a quarter of the cup. So for example, let's say that I have 100 milligram of the herb, I put 800 ml of water, mm. and then I reduce it to a quarter. So that's 200 ml. Okay. And uh, that will be m the most infused, that's the most uh, valuable water that I want to drink in mm. terms of nutrition. Uh, soaked out of all those herbs. So it, it's a difference, you know, between you putting in, in a lot of herbs and just pouring some water or actually cooking them and reducing mm. them. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of work. It is a lot of work. Oh, I, yeah. well, that's not helpful. It is. I, mean, I, I thought I was just going to put the Earl <laughs> Grey tea bag in. and. <laughs> oh, my God. No. <laughs> no. No. So that, what, is that tea bad? No, is it's my not. tea bad? It's not. It's or not. like, uh, you know, the no. Persian tea? That, no. Uh, um, too much of a good thing is a bad thing, uh -huh. right? So um, I, you should know what is your constitution, why you're drinking the tea, infusion, decoction, and then do it cautiously. So I've been having this tea since the COVID started, so that's my immune tea. Mm. Um, I see a lot of patients a day, and I need to keep myself healthy, and um, I need some boost of immunity. Dr. Moradi, do, do people come to you for, are you, is it, is it like a general practitioner where yeah. somebody, one person will walk in and say that I've got knee trouble and somebody else will say I'm not sleeping yeah. and somebody else will say I'm depressed? Exactly. Um, and how, let's take those three examples. Um, if I come to you with um, knee, a knee issue, mm -hmm. um, how, how is your approach different from what you would have done back in Chicago sure. as a, a medical doctor? Sure. Um, let's take an example of a knee. So um, rather than giving you pain relief, like, you know, I, I'm not going to name it, all those medications that will relieve the pain. Mm. Uh, the multifid the men's multifid Floracil? <laughs> and a floracil? <laughs> no. no, that would be like taking five minutes, right? <laughs> well, right. nowadays we see more actually doctors are recommending, you know, osteopath, chiropractor, physiotherapy. Yes. But when they come to me, regardless of their problem, mm. I need to find out what is their constitution. 
that they were been born with. Mm. That is one and a half hour of consultation that I do for any patients. What does it mean? What is their constitution? Uh, that's a very good question. Mm -hmm. So remember the five elements that we talked at the beginning? Every one of us have all those five elements in us. And those five elements divided into three parts, which we call them constitution or doshas. So I need to know what you were, we were born with to begin with mm -hmm. and why this knee pain is happening to you. So the treatment that I may give it to you is different than somebody else and somebody else, depending on what the true consti constitution So is. how do you learn my constitution? What are the tests? What are well, tongue uh, diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So we look at the tongue, uh, pulse reading. We do have a specific techniques for pulse reading. And then questioning. So that one and a half hour is just all questions about your childhood. Uh, about your puberty, about hair fall, about... <laughs> you learn about my knee from my yeah, puberty? Oh, yeah, okay. of course. Everything, we need to know why this is happening. So mm. once I have that written down, mm -hmm. then I can say, okay, so this knee problem is happening because this, 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 this was in your past, mm. or this element is more prominent in you. Then only I can actually look into the knee problem and solve it. So a few ways, either herbal medicine, basically the first approach is diet. Believe it or not, I don't usually give any even herb. for knee trouble. Yeah, just ch change that diet. I need to. I ask them to hold the deepest point. You know, coffees, mm. raw food, uh, crackers, dry food. So, uh, if it's inflammation, are you having a lot of hot, spicy foods? If it's dryness, are you having a lot of crackers and chips? And what all if of it's that? a muscle issue? Okay, that's tension. Okay. So I need to exactly find out what, why is it happening to them, or at what time is happening the mm. most. A lot of people say when I'm at work, it's happening for some reason. No, it's not for some I reason. I still feel like this is leading towards taking away my nunopanier. Nunopanier, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's your knee will Sorry. feel better if you... <laughs> no, we have food for soul in Ayurveda, so you can have that. <laughs> and what about um, somebody who says, I, I'm I'm not sleeping well? What's so same, the same process will go on. Um, we take the constitution, and then... I. I know immediately that they have some stressor in their life, mm -hmm. of course, immediately. But again, it's my job to find out what is the, the true constitution they were born with. Once I find that out, I say, okay, it can be something simple of taking the herbal tea late at night and just going to washroom. You know, it's very, very simple idea and principle, mm. to be honest with you. And then, of course, with sleeping, we have a lot of beautiful herbs uh, that they can just help. I, I make my own herbs. I dispense them myself, my, make capsules myself, make decoctions, everything I do. Um, so those can help. And also, we have external uh, therapies. So, for example, with the knee example you gave it to me, we have a lot of massages that we can do with herbal oil that mm. I make at home. Um, with the sleeping as well, pouring a, a hot oil on the head, massage, which is called a shirodara. It's another one that will actually take away all the stress. So we do a lot of combination of external and internal treatment. And something like depression or anxiety? Yeah. How, same, same thing. Same, same process. Um, we do now see a lot of people with like, counseling because I think I, by my psychology background, I'm very interested in that. Mm. So I see it's very interesting to me that you know couples will come to you and say, I want to know my constitution. I want to know my partner's constitution. What can we do to make our life better? That as simple as this. So you just work on the diet and nothing else. I'm glad you mentioned diet again, because I want to ask you about food again. And I've heard you say that Salad Shirazi is not even good for us. What, what's wrong with Salad Shirazi? So what is in Salad Shirazi? As far, as far as I know, 
uh, cucumber, tomato, onion with some vinegar or something. Exactly. So, so there are a lot of cold. It's all good, isn't it? They're all good, but not together. I know. Well, isn't this that is called salad? Our <laughs> <laughs> Vedic perspective of salad is very, very different. Oh. So we believe that everything needs to be cooked in order to get an ultimate digestion. So everything that you put in your mouth needs to be cooked. Oh. So yeah. everything needs to be cooked? Yeah. So f- uh, fruits, preferably, or very ripe. Um, vegetable needs to be cooked, grilled, or boiled. And so salads, that's an, uh, another issue that I have nowadays. Wow. They think they have a lot of salads and they're in diet. And then they come to me with digestion problems or like bloatedness. Of course you're going to get bloatedness because your digestive fire is not working well. So they should cook the salad. Not cook the salad. <laughs> <laughs> I did not say that. Cook the vegetables <laughs> instead. Uh-huh. Like, for example, broccoli, but, uh, so cauliflower. Uh, wait, and eating an apple is not a good idea? It is, but if you have you a have low metabolism the, uh-huh. uh, and you have con- you've been constipated for, let's say, two days, uh-huh. eating an apple will not help you. But cooking uh-huh. an apple is actually kompoot. So throw some cinnamon in it, make it delicious, and have mm. it. And you'll see how your metabolism works. I'm Can sorry, I eat no. any fast food? No. Hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm being. So I'm trying like, to be honest. No, like no, no pizza. Food? No. <laughs> you're, but you're so sure. Right. This is why I can't come to you. But let's if say, I if I come uh, because okay. I don't. Uh, that's not reasonable. Okay, so twice a week uh-huh. uh, when you have cheat days, enjoy your pizza. Out. Okay. But here's the thing: you have your pizza. The next day, you're going to take care of your digestive system. Mm. If you can promise that to yourself before to anyone, right. I'm fine with it. <laughs> right, yeah. Right, right. So I'll do it. I'll eat outside. Uh-huh. I hang out. That, that otherwise that my sounds life horrible. will be, sounds like we have to go so get a, boring, uh, right? Look, that's what no, I wonder. No, it's not. Going it's out not. with you would be like, you no. need a cooked apple and no. a zucchini. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Number uh. one, when I'm on vacation, there's no rule. So okay. I, I eat as much as local food vacation. as possible. Yes, that's right, vacation. Right. I come back and I do two weeks detox. That's another right, story. Right, right. But um, in here, uh, people who hang out with me, they know I pick my choose my foods uh, wisely. Right. So you can go. There's a lot of restaurants. And Ayurveda doesn't mean vegetarian. Please, please mm-hmm. uh, just be aware. That doesn't mean you're vegan. Those are all labels. Um, I'm an Iranian. I grew up with meat. You so can eat meat. I can. No. And yes. It all depends on how much. So let's say we go to a Persian restaurant. Mm-hmm. We know, we already kind of know what the menu is. Yes. What what do you what do you order? I won't uh, order rice. Okay. Um, so you already kind of high maintenance. I know, go yeah, ahead. What, yeah. yeah. Um, is it my cheat day or no regular day? <laughs> regular day. Okay. Um, well, how often is the cheat day? Every two weeks. No regular okay. day. Regular okay. day. <laughs> Every regular. Yeah. Day. Um, I'll have some gourmet sabzi by itself as a stew. Okay. That's it. Just some gourmet sabzi. Yeah, yeah. No, no rice. bread or rice. No bread or rice. Or dessert. No dessert. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm thinking about all the delicious. No, no dessert. Right. I have well, a sweet uh, mouth, like tooth, so uh-huh. I cut down sugar seven years of uh-huh. my life. So that's pretty. That's pretty limited. It like is. you wouldn't even get. Juja kebab or something. Oh, I would. You I would. would. I, okay. But without rice. Like, without rice. Yeah, What's wrong with kebab? rice? It's a lot of carbs, mm. number one, and it's so hard to digest. And again, the way it cooks. So I, I, when I cook rice at home, it's completely different than when I eat it outside. So I add a lot of spices to it. Mm. I add a lot of good oil that I make at home. Mm. So I make the digestion really, really easy. But outside, I don't know what they use. So, mm. But again, if it's a occasion, birthday, you, whatever, it's okay. I'll have it. I'll have some. 
don't don't laugh at me, but I'll tell you this. Oh. Uh, when I, I'm this invited, is, this is why it's hard. No, because you, but, I, we started with okay. no, 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 or like you said, no, no, you can have what you want. But really, if I was really going to try and be healthy, yes. you know, I have to not have rice and bread, right? Uh, not every day. You can have your rice and bread. But again, what kind of bread? Uh, there you yeah. go. So what kind of bread? How much of a bread? That you, <laughs> my dad is Shomali, right? From uh-huh. So imagine if I can get him out of bread, uh, sorry, rice, I can mm. get anyone out of rice. Because he used to have rice for breakfast. Yes. Yes. That's yeah, my man. That, yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but now it's like, okay, you can have rice. You can have rice pudding for morning. And he loves it. Okay. It took seven years. What kind of bread are we allowed to eat? It all depends again. Your constitution. Oh, my constitution. I don't want to. Yeah, right, right. yeah. Same. Wouldn't want to say. Would want. Yeah. Yeah. So then everyone. Bad baddie might be okay bad, bad in my constitution. <laughs> Once a week, it's okay. Right. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be okay. No. No. no I, I'm pretty sure you're going to bad baddie's not no, going to be okay. No. 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 I would say Saturday. My mom would kill me if I say it's mm. not. So Saturday. And how 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 do we feel about dairy? Uh, be honest. I, I'm not, not a good. big fan of no, no. I'm not a big fan of no. That. No medical person says dairy is good. No, because again, the quality of the cows or the dairies that we get here is uncomparable to about. I haven't had dairies for 17 years, except when I went to India, and they actually have it right there in the farm. And I was like, no, I'm gonna get bloated, and they're like, no, you're not. And I mm. have it, and no problem whatsoever. Oh, egg? Can I have an egg? You can uh, have eggs. Egg. Are okay. Yes, that's fine. They're not dairy. The, uh, not too much. Too uh, much of a good thing again uh-huh. is a bad thing. So once, once a week, I, I'm going to be eating everything on okay. once a week. <laughs> the rest of the week is a no. So here's um, options are the keys uh-huh. in Ayurveda. So if you're having eggs on Monday, you're going to have rice pudding on Tuesday, and vice versa, and switch it up. So I give a recipe for each constitution. Wow. I know. I sometimes have to type up until like 2 a.m. But whenever, whatever the person's coming to me, what is the balance stage? What is Mita the imbalance? Oh, why? I mean, no. I'm a bit scared. Because I d- it's it's like we talked the other week on the show about mm-hmm. not wanting to go to the ear doctor because we'll find out how much hearing loss we have. Oh. Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to be told that. But that's that, like that, facing the reality I, know, I think for I yourself. Know. No, I, I don't that? think it's scary. Mm-hmm. If you can um, at least try it without trying you would never know. Yes. And it's not hard, trust me. Once you know, your body won't accept it. I have people telling me I can't yeah, I know, give up caffeine. I, know. That's I can't true. give up caffeine, but now that I they are, they're like I'm never gonna go back. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What has most surprised you about the reaction you've gotten since you um, took this path, came back to Canada with your mm-hmm. with um, this as your path? A lot of people are encouraging. Uh, you know, I've I rarely come across. Um, Actually, it, it, it occurs to me from my colleagues. Uh, usually medical doctors are the ones that they say, whoa, why? Hmm. Um, but Why do you think that is? Do you think that's because they see it as a threat to their I don't like to think dominance? that way. Hmm. I don't like to think that way. I just think that, again, it goes back to being one-dimensional. Um, I went to medical school. I know there's no course of natural medicine and or supplement. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I always say, like, be open more about it. I think, and it's also easy uh, financially, uh, you know, with uh, being a doctor, internal medicine doctor or family doctor, your your sta- stability is way more than being someone like me. Mm. Uh, one week I may have two patients and another week I may have, like, fully booked uh, 10 patients. So um, that as well, they're like, oh, why did you make this decision? Why from a stability? But I always like the challenge. So that is that is. Are you expensive? 
I don't think so. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think like so. Like is taking this kind of path for, for if yeah. somebody's interested in being a patient, uh, yeah. should they be intimidated by the costs? I don't think so. You know, uh, taking into consideration of all those money that we actually buy supplements and a meal at night in downtown Toronto is way more expensive than mm-hmm. my visit. So, And this is an investment for yourself. Uh, it's not something that will, you know, just you have it it's done or um, i always tell you know my my colleagues or my friends that it's not drinks it's not it passed through you you know you you stick with it through whole life so it's an investment tell me about the um the, the social media that you do the, mm-hmm. the your instagram in particular uh it, it's it's pretty dedicated to the mission um there's not a lot of pictures of you playing volleyball or something or you know um <laughs> or a chat or so um so uh, um tell me about how it feels to have been getting the the kind of support you get or interest uh, yeah. online uh well i um, decided to separate my personal account from my professional account uh, i didn't want it to be about me in particular but um it just grow i have no idea how um, I think it, speaking three languages also helps. Um, so I have to do. What's the third language? Turkish. Oh, yes. All right. um, and um, so then ultimately, you know, I saw people with hashtagging and uh, people connect, you know, with through my page through me, and then they contacted. Uh, do you want to do webinars? Do you want to talk in Turkish? So it all growing. Sorry, so why fast. do you speak Turkish? One of your. Parents? I don't know. <laughs> you don't know why you speak Turkish. <laughs> It occurred to me from my mom. My mom is Azari uh-huh. uh, from Azerbaijan, but um, I learned myself the Turkish, like you know, from Istanbul, like Turkish. Wow! Yeah. What do you I, mean? How did you do that? So I went on visits um, once in Turkey, and then uh, we back then, you know, we all have a little bit of you know movies and and um, uh-huh. all the TV shows. Well, you need them for the weekly you know, meeting the with the parents, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, um, but then. Um, when you, when I went there, I couldn't communicate with anyone yes. because they don't know that much of an English, you know, income. And I said, okay, I'm gonna. And they don't love you to talking Persian either. They don't, no. sadly. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I said, okay, you know what? I'm gonna go back to Canada, turn everything into Turkish, and come back here in two years and talk to you just like how you do wow. to your people. So I switched up everything to Turkish, from movies, um, news. Um, I read. I, I I'm writing in Turkish. I started translating books in Turkish. Wow! Yeah, thank you. Well, what, yeah. what books are you translating in Turkish? <laughs> Medical books, of oh, course. Okay, okay. Yes. Wow, um, you're a wonder yeah, thank woman. Thank you. Thank yeah, it's you. That's amazing. Thank you. I yeah. Well, that's that's great. Good for thank you. you. Thank you. So the so that the 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 Iranians, the people who understand that's English and Turks are are following you. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so before now I have to translate every post into three language, which is very time consuming, uh, but I, I absolutely love it. Um where do you think you want to take all of this? I mean, it's um uh first of all, do you feel like now you've found your your forever path or I is yeah? There's no limit to learning. You know, I, I always say, uh, as Rumi said, you think you know you're a drop in the ocean, but you are an ocean in a drop. So, there's too much uh, to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, if I have an opportunity, I would love to go back and do a specialties in Ayurveda, surgery part, uh, gynecology part, and natural medicine because Ayurveda in India divides into different branches, just like medicine here. So then you can specialize in the field that you like. But I am 
I've never been this happy for entire like as as long as I remember. That's amazing. Thank you. How do how does the Iranian community, your Iranian fans or friends or uh, how do they tend to react to natural medicine? Uh, I'm going to categorize them into two parts. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. One Iranian from Iran uh-huh. and one from here. Okay. Yes. Uh-huh. So from Iran. I thought it was going to be generational. Generational. I thought oh. the old, older school. Gen- uh, would, oh, they would. all know. Yeah. So when I talk about them, they, the older generation, they're like, we know this. You know, we mm. we learn from my grandparents and right. all that. But um, Iranians from Iran have different perspectives. I don't blame them. There's a lot of um, material in terms of herbs and all of that. There's not enough guidance mm. so um, that will make them unfortunately like the people make fun of uh, you know c- certain herbs or oils or uh, yeah this is just uh, you know a remedy no because there's no one to tell them and I didn't know that this is not regulated in Iran it's not so I tried my best I wanted to teach at the university and it's not uh, because it has a lot of contraindication with uh, Islamic uh, oh. natural medicine way so unfortunately, it's not mm. allowed. Um, the herbs we can't send, they can't grow. But what I did, I had a lot of patients. It's so weird there. because I, know, I think of Iran as a an, an herbal kind it of is. place. Yeah, you yeah. know, uh, Ibn Sina was my hero. That I actually, you know, I did I, reading his book actually mm. enlightened me. But um, what I try to do with my patients from Iran is I find an, an equivalent herb. Uh, you know, from an Ayurvedic herb, and then I look up, I read books and see, this is the herb that you can find in Iran that can, and does exactly the same thing. So then they go in, but again, unfortunately, attars are the only sources, right? So um, then they find it. It's so hard for them. I feel bad, but I think they don't have any guidance. And then Iranians outside of Iran? Um, first, uh, it's getting better. I should say. Oh. It's getting better. Okay. Yeah. They were skeptical? Very. Yeah. Very. Um, like 90% of my patients are not Iranians. Mm. So they're like, oh, okay. Um, what do ke- the Iranians kebabs, say? Yeah. Kebabs, noon panir, uh-huh. um, oh, complaint. Oh, yeah. But they, but they, I mean, in general, natural medicine, is it like, oh, they get loose care. No, they don't do that with me. Oh, okay. They don't. They respect um, they you. They do. They yeah. do. I have to be fair. Uh, they're very kind. However, they feel it's temporary. Hmm. So, for example, when I tell them that this is needs follow-up, this needs, um, you know, seasonal change, you know, hmm. when the season changing, you need different regime, and they're like, oh, come on, like, I, I'm feeling better. I don't Isn't need to Isn't there follow. a surgery for this I, I can pay for? A yeah. pill, <laughs> a magical pill. No, it's not, unfortunately. Yeah. So um, with non-Iranians, I see a more follow-up base approach. Um, okay, it's been three months. I'm feeling good, but I want to know what else to do. Uh, Iranians, they come, uh, you know, just only one time consultation. They find out what the constitution is, and that's it, mm. done, uh, unfortunately. But it's getting better. Are your parents still around? Yes. And how do they? How are, are they proud of you now? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope so. Do you um, prescribe things at the weekly meetings? Oh my gosh! Every day, <laughs> <laughs> they're my clinical studies nurses. <laughs> wow. Well, they're no longer at Sunnybrook. That's a good uh, sign. That's a great uh, sign. Yes. Uh, it's a great pleasure to talk to you. Pleasure. Thanks mine. for coming. Thank Thanks you. for um, uh, sharing your story and Thank your wisdom. You. And uh, I hope people. I'm sure people will check you out, Dr. Rosa Moradi. Thanks for Thank being. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks.
Dr. Rosa Moradi, an Iranian-Canadian doctor of natural medicine and a growing popular presence in social media. She's a practitioner and teacher of Ayurvedic medicine. You can find her Instagram channel at Rose Naturomed, R-O-S-E-N-A-T-U-R-O-Med. Dr. Rosa Moradi, join me in the Rook studio today. Dr. Rosa Moradi has, has left the studio. Uh, the microphones are back on with Groovy Shia, Captain Reza, and uh, the fabulous Keon has walked back in the studio. Uh, now, how do you feel about the Nuno Panier from this morning, Shia? What are we supposed to eat? First of all, I would say, um, what it, I, I, I always... Uh, that was an invigorating conversation. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm processing it. I always appreciate someone who has the courage to reshape their life journey, you yeah. know? Oh, so yeah. she goes, puts all that work into becoming a doctor, mm-hmm. uh, becomes the doctor. She's there in Chicago and then comes back to Toronto and goes to, ends up going to India. To, I, I just think it takes a lot of courage to do that. And we know so many people who stay unhappy and stay in the stream that they thought they were supposed to be in. Agreed. So... Yeah, would you have the would you have the courage to reshape your life journey? If I had someone financially backing me, absolutely. I don't yeah. know if she did. I, but that's, that's what I'm saying. Thing. Like when to, you to say the courage, that means no financially. Yeah. The courage is the financial. But see, there's there is a difference because I I've seen a lot of people completely shift into doing something else, but they have support. So to do that independently, it's hard. I mean, it looks like she probably did it independently. That takes a lot of courage. To yeah. Do that. Yeah. yeah, I think you've actually faced this issue. I, I'm still You're facing still this issue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit. It's a tough one. It's but a she tough says one. she's. She. I don't think she's alone in it because she has weekly meetings with her parents. Yeah. Like, for no, sure. No, no, she got. I mean, we, she like, has blessing yeah. of her parents. It's like but free I, therapy. But, but I don't relationship think relationship is a big thing in terms of guiding her to how to I make her decisions. So. I guess so. I guess so. But I don't think that. I mean. Um, we all have the good fortune of having parents, uh, right. or at least one parent, yeah. you know. So I think, you know, she definitely traded in the material. Yeah. I mean, mm. you hear it. She doesn't care. But, you know, when I said, you don't want the nice table in the restaurant? Mm-hmm. And she says, no, I don't yeah. care. Yeah. That's not that's not what her life is about. Yeah. But I, I, first of all, I thought that was great so courage. Um, second of all, I mean, does um, Ayurveda intrigue you? I don't know. There is a part of it that I do like. There's a holistic aspect to it that I definitely appreciate. And I'm all for using natural remedies and trying to avoid anything that has anything to do with chemical and big pharma and stuff. But at the same time, I draw the line at cooking apples. Like, (laughs) I don't know if, like, cooking, like certain like i understand vegetables and stuff but like cucumber and like that kind of th- it's uh, i don't know and and, and and there are certain things that i don't know if yeah i i, I have my doubts but overall i'd say yeah i'm 70 70 percent for well it's kind of i mean it's sort of a general question about um these i mean ancient forms of healing mm-hmm. whether you 
whether you're, you know, in a way, it's kind of like in human history, there's been this stuff that's lasted through mm-hmm. civilizations, and then there's the last 30 years of new pills that have been developed mm-hmm. that, we're, yeah. that we're swallowing, I actually, right? I, mean, I was going to say that about Noonan Panier. <laughs> that, that's yeah. lasted generations for how long, but sure. apparently yeah. that's yeah. not good for you. Yeah, yeah. it's like when there's a study that comes out about coffee every couple yeah. months, whether it's good or bad for you. Right. It's like, well, coffee's been around for, I you know, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. millennia, right? I feel like right? it's, it's been around for millennials, then it's then okay. It's safe. Let, it, let <laughs> yeah. it be. I don't know. Yeah. But it definitely intrigues me. She makes. I mean, she's a great ambassador for it, uh, Dr. Rosa, because she seems to, uh, you know, she seems like a very mm-hmm. on top of it kind of person who you, you, you aspire to preach. be. Yeah, yeah. practices what you preach. She's got yes. a great relationship with her parents. She's yeah. you know seems like oh. a really good good moral ethical person. So you kind of think, geez, uh, maybe I, mean, I should take up this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 and the I other know. thing, let me just say that we um, uh, we were talking about this earlier about how. Uh, and, and a couple of weeks ago or last week about Khariji and uh-huh. Iranians and we've talked about race issues with Iranians you know there tends to be absolutely I don't want to make this a, a general statement in terms of the fact that I'm not speaking for everybody There, there's a strand of Persians um, and we all know this who can be quite um, racist or, or stere- you know can really stereotype India and Indians mm-hmm. you know yeah. uh, and, and I just want to point out that on this program We've had a few guests now who either live in India or who went to India. Mm -hmm. And the one common thing about all of them is they go, it changed my life for the better. It's an amazing place. It's the best place in the world. So, you know, I mean, it's it's like if we've had 10 guests who've, you know, been living in India or who've made that journey, it's 10 out of 10, you know, Mm -hmm. there's no, there's, I mean, so there's something in that too like, yeah. Yeah, like the, the interview just makes me want to get on a plane to have you been have you have never been? been I've been to Mumbai briefly and actually this summer I'm hoping to I'll, really? I'll be popping oh, wow. to New Delhi yeah no nice. way yeah 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 when I'm going to the, the Asia and Istanbul yes. and we're doing some rook stuff I'm I'm uh, I actually made a point to have it stop in in uh, Delhi and, and to you know to explore drink it in for a couple and, of days yeah oh. I don't know if that's going to be enough a couple of days in New Delhi to really get the idea but mm-hmm. yeah yeah oh. I, although I will say and again I mean I feel like I'm um, airing our, our cultural dirty laundry here but um, but uh, if we're going to be honest about it if we're going to be rook mm-hmm. uh, I've mentioned this to a couple of uh, Iranians who've sort of gone New Delhi. Yeah. What are you going to India for? You know, that, well, I don't know what they say. But it, it, yeah, it just doesn't seem like a destination yeah. that, why yeah. would you go to yeah. India? You know, yeah. whereas that sort of exotic mm. idea of go there, ancient civilization, what is lost on Iranians. Yeah. Like, get the hell out of this this continent. <laughs> like, go, go, go to Europe, go to the, you yeah. know, North America or whatever. Go to Italy. Yeah. So, um, you know what they eat in Cambodia? Rice. <laughs> What's wrong with rice? Would you eat? Would you give up rice Never. and bread? Never. Mm. Yeah, I'd rather okay. die. No. That that, I'm not that, that that's death to me. To it. It's like if I'm giving up carbs, like rice, bread, all oh, the best things in life. Minute, wait a minute. He said uh, rice and bread. I mean, Carb, what other potatoes? Carb? I can't give up uh, fries. But you can get. <laughs> I don't think Dr. Rosa thinks that we should eat fries. <laughs> <laughs> the way she reacted to me saying fast food. I, I mean, nobody can I have nobody, like, nobody can have a perfect life, perfect 
you know, lifestyle perfect diet. So everything in moderation. I mean, I yes. enjoy these things too much to give them. I don't care if it's going to extend my life for life 10 better. years. If I'm miserable, if I'm if I can live 10 years longer but be miserable, I'd rather really? eat the bread and die sooner. <laughs> well, you <laughs> may me. die sooner. Yeah. That's fine. That's I Is enjoyed. That fine? I enjoyed my you life say that eating now. all the noon and paneer and pasta. What and if the last things? ten years that you're supposed to live is going to be incredible? That's highly unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> these are the. Que- I mean, it I does. Know, it does in the thing, end bro. come to an existential. It's like yeah. one of these questions, For right? Real, yeah. Yeah. Why it like <laughs> life is short? Yeah. Do we enjoy it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is the same argument people make for I smoking know. cigarettes or whatever. Exactly. It's like ah, I'm, I'll, I'll, I don't care. I'll lose the five, ten years off the end of my life. But I suspect when you get into your. 70s okay, or 80s you won't you won't be so happy with that decision okay, cigarettes are poisoning your body with bread you're not so, people say that about sugar yeah. okay sugar fine but bread i would not well, but what if what if it's, it's pr- what if in a couple of years they'd say oh yeah it's same, sh- same thing in bread don't eat bread like we've had sugar it's, for it's ages we most, didn't know it was bad. bread's one of the most ancient food it's the fir- literally the f- one of the first foods that were created by True, Humans, but so. one of the first things and they've that been was eating created, it for how long? I don't think one it's of the a first, problem. One of so the first was homicide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we don't so, so does sacrificing virgins. That was one of the <laughs> no, primary uh, what, in, uh, what rituals have to do with of anything? humanity. Like, like they don't practice well, humans, that anymore. My point is, humans have been ingesting bread for like since time immemorial. So. Right. <laughs> I think and we've been fine. <laughs> and, they, and they used to die at the age of 35. Yeah. That's yeah. fine. They with, lived a with good bad life. Teeth. <laughs> That's true. Life expectancy. Yeah, but but there is something like you want to live healthy and like you cut uh, cut off the rice and then you are on Instagram 10 hours a day. So <laughs> yeah. it is unhealthy as yes. well as like yeah. eating yeah. rice. And, and so I think that's the part of what Dr. Moradi, what she, that's the part that appeals to me. Mm-hmm. She, They're talking about lifestyle. Like Ayurveda as a whole, it's a it's a, a lifestyle yeah. practice too. Yeah. You, that's you're absolutely right. That is appealing to me, and 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 it also is appealing to me. Like I like the fact that she's saying whatever is ailing you, yeah. um, there's no blanket. You know, there's no you, the idea that that everyone is going to be prescribed the same pill. It's- it doesn't make any sense. Like we all know that we react differently to what we eat, what we drink, what the, what the way we live our lives, how we exercise. Like yeah. we're all different mm-hmm. humans. We're different, mm-hmm. you know. So, so it only makes sense that her idea of like let me sit with you and find yeah. out everything about your lifestyle, and then be able to kind of. I agree. Get with a like sense that. of how I can treat you. you that know? makes sense to me. That yeah. complete makes sense to me. And the fact that she's talking about prevention as opposed to treatment, yeah. more so. Yeah, she's like basically the idea mm. of a, as opposed to of a hospital, you go to a maintenance place where you know what I mean, like where you enhance your right lifestyle and prevent, like kind of like a maintenance of a car. Like why would we have to only go there when we get sick? Mm. Mm. So that part of it I like too. Listen. Uh, if you follow Dr. Rosa Moradi on Instagram, um, a lot of it is general sort of, you know, th- there's there's wise kind of rules about it. You'll basically feel mm-hmm. horrible about yourself for <laughs> eating as much McDonald's as you do, Reza. And it's common sense a lot of it, which I hate. Uh, you are listening to Rook, and you can find all of our episodes, uh, our our guests, our, our Rook Funnies videos, etc. at rookmedia.com, where you can also support us and become a patron, rookmedia.com. Thank you, Fabulous Keon, uh, Captain Reza, and Groovy Shia. Let's get to our next guest. I'm excited about this. We've waited too long. Let's bring her into the studio. What is traditional Persian dance? Where can we find it? 
And why don't we all know it more intimately? Well, our second featured guest today joining me in the studio is truly a special name when it comes to Persian dance. Helia Bande is a visionary dancer, choreographer, performing artist, and researcher who's used her experience and profound knowledge of Persian dance, its music, and its history to become a driving force in the development and presentation of Persian or Iranian classical dance both inside and outside of Iran. Helia has taken her passion for dance to new heights and developed a -a one-of-a-kind method of Persian classical dance, which has led to collaboration with world-class artists in varying productions globally. She's also been at the forefront of empowering women both inside and outside of Iran to express themselves using dance and has been a catalyst in establishing the newfound interest of women in Iran for this historic form of art to discuss her journey, the beautiful tradition of Persian dance, and the plight of dance in Iran since the Islamic Revolution. I'm joined by Helia Bandeh in the Rook studio today. Hello. Hi. What a pleasure it is to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. It's a pleasure. <laughs> I mean, I know you're on a something of a Canadian tour doing performances. How is it going? Uh, actually really great uh, this is my first time coming back after the whole COVID thing to Canada and I was just in Montreal and the uh, art Persian uh, or Iranian art festival Jashne Honare Irani and it was really great because we had one evening of the dance which was the performance and the Q&A and was uh, fully booked and uh, so I enjoyed do people who come to see you traditionally know what traditional Persian dance is? Are they, because, are they coming because they're fans of it, or are they coming on something of a discovery mission? Both. I think both. Many people, uh, I think most of the people doesn't know about what they should expect. And some people, they know me, that's why they are coming. So it's really mixed audience. Yeah. What do you think they're most surprised by when they see you perform? that this is really an art and it's not just for entertainment. Mm, what does that mean? Because there's a difference between art and entertainment. It's a very, very much different. In Iranian culture, I think we saw always dance as an uh, entertain, reason for entertaining. So in the weddings, in the parties, mm. you know, when we're gathering together, we dance. Mm. And that's a very normal thing. But seeing a dance as an art form and bring it on stage, that's something, uh, our own dance, you know, mm-hmm. as an art form and bring it on stage is something that we are not used to. So the people are not um, very familiar with this concept. If it is, surely it can be art and entertaining at the same time, right? It could be, yeah. But sometimes it's art, not. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> is art and is, it means it's just like, a, when we are talking about art, is not because I want to entertain you. Mm. Art is something that you need, first of all, lots of uh, creativity. And second of all, is uh, you want to say something. So there is a more deeper understanding of what is happening, performing. And when is entertainment, it could be, you know, for example, if you ask me, would you like 
to dance this for me, then it would be, in my opinion, a performance mm. th- as entertainment. But when I am creating the thing that I want to create, right. the things that I want to say, and that I don't think about my audience, what they want to see or not see, but it's just something that I want to share with the creation that I have in mind, with the reason that I have in mind, then I believe then it, it, is, uh, it will become an art form. But here's what I don't like about dividing art and entertaining. It, it suggests, I worry, that it then creates the conditions where people think art or high art is somehow um, inaccessible. It's not good for them. Or it's it's something that you do because it's good for you. It's like you're supposed to eat spinach and you're supposed to appreciate art. Whereas I have this philosophy where I think all kinds of art, um, every kind of art, including Persian traditional dance, is, is is accessible, is there for everybody. It's more the way you package and present it, right? It's it's like if you bring someone along, along and explain it and say, this is the story this is telling, this is what we're doing, it can, anybody can enjoy it, right? That's true. It's not about only enjoying. I think that it's what you need at that moment. You know, mm. sometimes you want to just, you know, make your head uh, completely free of all, everything that is going on in your head. And you need those kind of, entertainment form of art and sometimes you need something to actually make you think deeper and going you know searching for the things or saying things that um, maybe or thinking about things that you are normally not thinking of so it's it's what you need at that moment it's not that one is higher or one we need more than the other i believe we need every kind of art form as entertainment or as not just entertainment. Mm, mm, you know, mm. we need that to having a pop music, but we have also, we need to have in classical music, mm. or we need to uh, need to sometimes read a very, uh, a book that is very uh, literally, you know, more mm. uh, complicated, or sometimes a book that is much easier because we just want to, you know, bring our head just you know not thinking about things let me come back to this because it's too interesting i don't want to go too far in the rabbit hole on this because yes. but it's <laughs> i could tell this is going to be a fun interview because I, i've already okay i want to come back on uh, i mean the, this this question of high art i look i, I just don't want to uh, i don't want somebody to you know you know folks who say for example uh, i don't want to go see a foreign film it's too much work you know, I just want to see a Hollywood blockbuster. That's fine. You can, but but I but you don't want that to be such a pattern that people are denying themselves coming to see Persian traditional dance because they think, oh, that's work. It's something that's good for me. But I really just want to have a fun Friday night. You know. Okay, we cannot. You know, the point is. It, it, this is what you are saying is true at somehow, but from the other side, we don't want to put it too much also in this whole, you know, uh, how do we say it, uh, in these uh, special windows, this is this and this is mm-hmm. that. But the other side, we cannot, you know, Please avoid it because <laughs> sometimes things are a bit deeper than the other things. You know, sometimes you need to... Uh, you need it. You just, it's just what your head like part, needed. Part of what you're saying is I, I, I mean, you don't want to create dance um, only with the idea. You don't want to, to, to sort of um, exploit the dance or use the dance only for the entertainment of the audience. That's that the it, point. Yeah, yes, that's I the point. It, yeah. Because if you think only as an entertainment as for, for the audience, then what you are creating automatically will be somehow more lighter. 
mm. in in your creation you know uh, the same thing as when you are writing a book you know a literature very high literature or you're writing a just this packet a package uh, gotcha. you know simple yeah. Yeah. books that is really like a fun thing to read yeah. so it is you 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 have different um needs mm. and in in society and all of those it should be there because there are different people with different needs on in this earth i hear you i hear you uh you, first of all i want to make sure in this time that we in this conversation we talk about your journey which has been uh, quite a remarkable one including for some time being arrested in iran and we'll get to some of that i do want to talk about the implications of the revolution and how we almost have to see the culture of dance as a before and after uh, in terms of what that did but but let me start as we have um with trying to define what um what we're talking about because you You've actually made the point, and you made it again just now, a few few moments ago, that as Iranians, we don't even necessarily know what per, traditional Persian dance is. It's not Baba Karam at a party, right? Or it's not. So, so um, how do you describe, if you can do so in words, how do you describe traditional Persian dance? Yes, I will try to do it as you know, as um, short as possible. Actually, the best word for this is Iranian classical dance. Okay. What I am doing, and uh, because when we use Persian word Persian, we refer to certain uh, you know ethnical group, and this is not a dance that is referred to that. When we right, are talking right. about Iran, we are actually referring to that country. So a dance that is ex- uh, that exists in that country, which is actually a republic of different nations that live there. Right, regionally very different. Exactly. So when you're in Iran, we have different people, different ethnical groups, different nations that live there, like a Kurdish people, Lori people, and Turkmen, and all these people, they are Mm. living there. Mm. Also, Farce people, they are one of those ethnical peoples that are living among them. And then it's like inside of this Iranian dance, we have different... um, uh, junctions, mm. which you can say like um, sections, you can say the folkloric dances and the ethnical group dances that is from certain folk, for example, Kurdish dance. Right. And then you have this um, ritual. But is Kurdish dance considered traditional Iranian dance? Is uh, not traditional. You can say Iranian dance because Kurdish uh, sure, dance sure. is a part. But of what Iran. are you talking about when you're teaching Iranian traditional yeah, dance? What does it look like? Yeah, these these are different sections inside of that. And you have, for example, dances that they are ritual dances. The mm. ritual dances they could be from a folkloric dance, but it could be also not connected with certain folk, but certain ritual, certain belief. For example, sama is one of whirling, one of the ritual dances mm-hmm. that we have. Or the whirling dervish. Whirling mm-hmm. dervish mm-hmm. is not from certain folk, but is certain belief. So ritual dances is always connected with that belief that we have. For example, we want to have uh, the rain will come. We, we pray for the rain will come. And there is certain ceremony around it or uh, getting the, you know, the the czar, for example, out of our body, which is a, like a, a kind of devil or I don't know, whatever is inside of your body you want to get it off. So it's from certain um, belief, mm-hmm. let's say. Mm-hmm. And then you have, of course, the dances, the pop dances, which is like the popular dances. And the popular dances are something that is high 
happening inside of the cities and or everywhere in Iran and is not connected with certain folk or certain ethnical group, but is something that is connected with the, what is happening at that moment in that area and is influenced by everything that you see. Sure. Right. Music and videos. Music Western videos. Stuff, and whatever. it's in different time time eras is different things. Sure. Whatever you have around it. And when it comes to this kind of Iranian classical dance mm. that we are talking about, that some people will call it traditional, some people will call it miniature dance. There are different naming for this. Mm. I will name it Persian Iranian classical dance. This uh, dance is actually a dance that was in the past done in in the court and for the entertaining in the court, outside of the court, in between the, you know, elite people or uh, in the parties or on streets. And this developed itself in different ways. And at a certain uh, point, uh, actually, let's say 100 years ago, when we uh, went to the constitutional, you know, government after Qajar. 20th century, basically. Exactly. Then uh, this dance that it was done in the court, the elite dancers, let's say, is kind of disappeared because they didn't have a stage to go to. Sorry, two steps back. How far back does this We say like 100. No, how far does it go back, the classical dance? Oh, yeah. Thousands of, I mean, when does it begin? as long as we have the court, as long as we have it, you know, we had a kingdom, we had those dances. But the point is because it was for entertainment. This mm. dance was for entertainment. So we had always entertainment because there is no king that doesn't want to be entertained when right. they're, you know, their um, guest is coming. Or when you have a wedding and you want to, you know, in, inviting people. But this is I something- I prefer dancing just for art, not entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, in in our in our history, it was not like that. Yeah. Oh. So now we live in another time. <laughs> yes, yeah, you know. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so we will come back to that part. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. But the point is that um, uh, this dance was done in the main cities. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, for example, in Shiraz, in Isfahan, in Kerman, in Mashhad, in Tabriz, and it was not from for one nations, as I said. So they were all doing Iranian classical dance? Yeah, that's the point. Why Iranian? Because Iran, when we are talking about Iran, is not one nation. Mm. It's the nations that was and lived in Iran. They attacked Iran. They immigrated to Iran. They had this uh, trading with Iran. So these dancers, during all this time, they were not only Iranian farce people from mm. Shiraz, let's say. They were people that they lived in Iran for any reason. Why, why does it disappear in the 20th century? Because we, we had this in, in the court. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what we had in the court, these dancers, they came out of the court because we didn't have harams anymore. We didn't have that constitution as sure. we had. So they didn't have a stage to go to. For example, our music, Daska music, they starting to organizing performances yes. outside. And also we had the radio that they can go, uh, went to and perform there. But for dancers, there was none. So in these dancers, mostly, actually all of them, they were this this kind of dance, this kind of collection mm-hmm. of movements. They were done by women or boys dressed up as women. Oh, yes. So once this constitution changed, there was no stage for them to go to. But 
there were these dancers that they were still dancers and group motreps that they were dancing and performing the on streets, streets yeah. or in the uh, you know houses of the people mm. they were keep on doing this but they then then they went to the cabarets so then starting the changing the, the the way of doing it and i have to say during the history these dancers that they were performing they were uh, not always they were only a dancer they could be right. a dancer right. a play right. a, someone an actor or a acrobat or you know musicians even and also could be a prostitute so all of them yes. i was just going to sidebar here to say um this history that you're giving us uh, I, there's a story that you've told uh, that I, I don't know if it was when you had already moved to Holland or not but at some point you're starting to learn dance but you're not learning and running you're, you're learning Egyptian dance you're learning different dance styles and somebody says to you I would really like to see you do some Iranian classical dancing and you realize you don't even know exactly. what Iranian and this is how the journey began for you right exactly to, yeah this is how the journey began for me so when I was doing this they asked me that and then I was because I I immigrated from Iran on a younger age and I was not a traditional person in the way to listening to traditional music or dancing or whatever I was really like yeah I didn't you went to the Netherlands and you, you did a degree in fashion design yes I did it but the reason that I did the degree of in fashion we are going to from a story to another story <laughs> let's go more back okay. in the history I wanted to be a dancer from okay. a moment that I remember I was I remember I was about four years old and I was sitting in front of the you know uh, TV in Shiraz in Shiraz uh -huh. yes and uh, um, the a ballet came on the TV and I was so mesmerized by this ballet mm. and then I was like ran, ran to my mom and I said like mom I want to be a dancer and she was like yeah yeah sure okay and at that moment of course it was uh, still the Shah period so I wasn't you know the possibility there was, was the Shiraz Arts Festival yeah exactly yeah, 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 yeah. it was exactly it was the Shiraz Art Festival a while after when I was in the first uh, class they brought us to this uh, performance of Shahr Qasse mm. and so I saw all these dancers in the in the storytelling you know combining together so kind of dance uh, theater it was a kind of dance theater and I was so mesmerized by this so this was for me very clear I want to become a dancer but unfortunately, of course, the revolution came and everything changed in Iran. So it was not possible at all to doing something with the dance. So after I immigrated to Holland, I the first thing that I said to the immigration or the, because I was under age when I went there and my parents were not with me, I was alone. So I asked them, I want to go and study dance. They said like, oh, I'm sorry, you are too old. This is not possible for you because at that time I was 17. So it Who was said this? These, these people that were Who, there. What people? Do, do, I don't know. I have to <laughs> Who say, says you're do, too would old? You, would, you like to, would you like to exactly know their name? I want to so, know them. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Actually. I see. They're saying, okay, you're already in your like, teens. You didn't yeah. start when you were five. I see. Right. Exactly. Right. Because yeah. I was, I was in a small. I I went to a small village, so mm. I was located in this small village. And because I was underage, there were people that they would 
uh, kind of um, parenting you I see. Yes. in the in a legal position, let's yes. say. And uh, so they had to arrange everything with the school yes. and everything that I have to do there. So they they said to me like this is Honey, not possible. Honey, dance is not really. You, you, yeah, it's no, past. You're, you're past you're, your you're, time. You're too yeah, old. Yeah, this yeah. should be a start from five or four right. or whatever. So because I didn't have the power by myself, it was not that I could make a choice. I choose because mm-hmm. I was younger. So you have to go to study and forget this. So I kind of not forget it, but I starting to having just you know the weekly classes, jazz, ballet, and those kind of flamenco. And then at a certain point, I started okay, okay, I have to do something else. Mm-hmm. That should be art because I don't see myself become a you know doctor or whatever because that's not for me. I never wanted to. And uh, so I went to uh, art school and uh, art college and. I studied for fashion designing and at a certain point I changed it to multimedia and design. And uh, then I started to work as a multimedia designer. And um, however, the study was to creating digital art, Mm -hmm. but okay, I went to a company and starting Mm -hmm. to, you know, doing programming and designing. And after two years, by accident, I actually saw a poster of flamenco uh, dance mm. that there was somewhere that they were teaching flamenco dance. Sorry, can I just point out though? Yeah. I, I mean, as a as a an aspiring a young woman aspiring to dance, the situation that you were in compared to somebody who would be in Toronto or San Diego or Brisbane, you are. Uh, it's still the 1980s when you leave to Iran, right? I yes. mean, it's uh, so dance is not even an option in Iran at no. that point. Nothing, zero. No, right? zero. Definitely, and if you lived, if you not lived in certain point in Tehran, maybe some people could have, you know, underground classes. But at the time that I lived in Iran and I was in Shiraz, no, no way. And which we can get to. I mean, that's it's a sort of devastating situation in, in itself. But then you go to a new country where you're kind of being told, ah, this isn't really going to work. I mean, it must have been quite an isolating circumstance for a young person who knows what her passion is but can't pursue it. Oh, definitely. I really see my dance journey as a fight. Mm. I don't see it as something that, yeah, you like to dance, so let's go and dance. And I don't see it as a fight, just a simple fight. It's a fight, I saw it always uh, as a fight against everything around me because I wasn't, I didn't live in Iran to having the tradition and the access to everything that sure. I wanted to know. Yeah. I lived in a small city somewhere north in, in Holland, completely disconnected with the Iranian tradition. I didn't have, you know, Iranian people around me or whatever. And also uh, the culture of dancing in Iran is already something that you have to fight against. Is how do you want to say to your parents? How do you want to say to other people? Yes. You know, you chose for the dance. Yeah. Then you have the, the government that can you, as a dancer, go back to Iran or not, which I love to go back to Iran and I always loved to go back in, to go back to Iran. And then the fight against the a whole history of not knowing what actually the history of is, right, because right. it's the challenge itself to find all this information. So well, I don't want to fast track your story, but, but was there a, was there a, because <laughs> <laughs> I know you've got your story, to, but, but was there a, um, a turning point? Was there a moment when you're in Holland and you go, excuse me, but like, fuck, 
this. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Oh yeah, that's. I, I'm gonna do dance no matter yeah. what anybody tells me, and I'm gonna go f- discover traditional Iranian. Yeah, so what was, was the, that moment? The ter- turning point was that poster that I saw of ah. flamenco. That was the po- that was because I was at that time actually already 30 years old and I wasn't young anymore. I had my. I have. I am mother. I have. I had my three children. So it was like, and I was a single mom also. So wow. everything, and I didn't have family. Anything, you know. There was. The situation was not perfect at all. The situation was actually really difficult, let's mm. say. But then I had the choice at that moment. There was no mother, no father, no no uh, government, nobody that was making a decision for me. Mm-hmm. I was making the decision but for it's myself. A t- courageous decision. Yeah, it was. Well, it, you know, to say I'm going to do this. Yeah, yeah, and when I saw this, and I thought like, okay, I I want to do this, so I you know, calculated everything in my mind. And I said like, okay, I, it is now or never. So that and that po- point, of course, I chose for that. And I put the working in the, you know, in the company at the side as a, you know, let's say a good job with a good prospect mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. good, you know, everything. In other words, you, even at that point, you weren't just thinking of this as some hobby you do on Thursday nights. Never. You, you envisioned this moment uh, in definitely. Toronto as a world-class, I was somebody who's known around the world as a dancer doing an interview, you, you envisioned all of this. I envisioned all of this from the moment that I can remember in my life. <laughs> so it's, it was always there. Wow. This is not some, something that happened. It, and, uh, it is something that is in, in you. And it's like, it's the mission of my life. That's the point. The dance is the love of my life. Mm. And I will do everything. You will do everything for your beloved. Mm. That's how I see it. And that's why I choose this. Because I knew I found my love. And then I started from there. And where this path will bring me, I don't know. But I knew the 100% of my life will be focused on this love. Even I was a mom. So it is a very difficult thing because sometimes you have to choose mm-hmm. staying with your children at home mm-hmm. and you know having your all focus for your children or going for a career that you don't know where it will brings you so this i i really believe in my story that i had to sacrifice a lot of things to be able of to course. do this if you're in a small town in holland in the you know say the 90s at this point or whatever there is no more you know, uh, Iranian classical dance um, performances are certainly happening in Iran at that point yet. And there isn't an internet yet, so you can't go search and watch YouTube videos of people doing Iranian classical dance, which we now can because of you. Um, how do you even learn what the what the moves are? How do you even learn the, the dance itself? Uh, yeah, it's a it's a long journey. It doesn't happen from one day to another day. You know, you are searching for it. You hear it because I was already started with the Egyptian classical dance as a you know professional doing that. And mm-hmm. so during this whole thing, people starting to ask me about what is Persian classical dance. Mm-hmm. And then I realized actually I don't know. Do we have such a thing? Because I remember the Qashqai people dancing. I remember the dances from from Boucher and and the mm-hmm. Bandar. You know, the south of Iran. But then. I realized I don't know what is it actually and all these questions that I had uh, for example when I when I look at the Egyptian classical dance or flamenco or all of those they had the answers they knew where their dance what was the dance from which time what is the history what is the music mm. all of those things they, it was there but from Persian 
I didn't know. So I started to search, of course, and find some DVDs. And then uh, from uh, uh, one of the yeah ladies in in uh, USA, she, she's an American lady, Robin Friend, and she's a fabulous person. And she had a DVD of a performance. And I found other dancers, Sharzat Horsandi and Banafshe Sayyad, and starting to have some classes, whatever I could, because all of them, they lived in, in USA, and none of them, they were in Europe. And of course, it was not so easy to do all those things and they what they they were they, classical know, dancers before the revolution is that no they were not all classical dancers I they see. are dancers uh -huh. in doing in this how did they learn it i mean how did you you know that, i'm it, just it curious is, how when an art form sort of disappears yeah, uh, but how do you revive it how do because you because it didn't it? completely disappear uh. it wasn't on uh, in the focus because after the we have to go back again oh to boy. the history okay. yeah and some of these dances they came to the cabaret okay mm. it stayed there we know that and then went to the film farsi so the persian films and so we didn't take them seriously it was like entertainment it's like not something that you know it's not as an art form mm. no and then the ballet came in iran and then in the la past 10 years of the Pahlavi dynasty, uh, Farah, the, you know, the queen of Iran, they, she uh, started the whole Onaristan. Um, supporting the arts. Yeah, and supporting yeah, the art. Yeah. And, um, you know, building this or creating these schools for the for art yes. schools. And then uh, they uh, starting to having also the section of the dance. So they starting to uh, this group of Raks Melli wa Mahali Iran. Mm. So folklorish and the dance of Iran, mm -hmm. let's say. And then they starting to bringing, you know, having these girls and boys there that were educating mm -hmm. a bit in ballet and also in the dances that they were in performed in Iran, mm -hmm. like folklorish dances. And they invited a, a person, uh, a choreographer from America. His name is uh, Robert De Warren mm, to yeah. Iran. And he starting to, he got all the equipments that he needed and all, all the support from Farah to go to all the different um, villages in Iran and doing this research and bringing all those dancers to Tehran yes. and choreograph them and also perform them on stage. And so we have a few beautiful performances videoed I in, see. from that era from that era which they are very much influenced also by the idea of that choreographer of course sure and yeah. uh, the music you is have composed. to sort of weed through that and, yes and, and, so, and so, also the ballet is uh, playing a very very important role in that time so it's not like if you're going back to the history you don't mm. find anything and nobody knows anything right, and I am right. the only one right. no there are people that they are working around the globe and also in Iran and doing these things and some did the research some just copied some are were more successful in their mm. you know uh, the ending of their journey and some maybe less it is not that I am the only one. When we describe Iranian classical dance, I mean, mm. I asked you to put it into words and, and you've given us an amazing history, but in terms of actually, uh, people are not watching you dance right now. They're listening, they're watching an interview. So how would you actually describe what is happening, the, the nature of the movement? What, what, how do oh, we okay. characterize Iranian classical dance in terms of what you're doing with your body? So as I said first, this dance were done by women or boys dressed up as women. So it has a very feminine uh, energy and feminine quality. Men don't do it. 
men not as men uh-huh. you right. know yes. not with the energy of men mm-hmm. so it's not a masculine okay. you know movements and uh, so it's very much the, the movements are based on our movements and footsteps and turning mm-hmm. that's what it is but they are very soft with their soft transitions with the you know uh, curved line they are not as they are in the ballet so i will say they are very grounded but at the same time very extended mm. so that's the, the can i can i ask itself. you a question that might sound like a stupid question uh, or a naive one um but i can't think of a better person to ask and and um what is with the the arm movements the hands and the arms we do that in in i mean even when we're dancing at parties the persian dance there's a lot of arm and hand movement but certainly when i'm watching iranian classical dance there's much more focus in terms of what you're doing with your arms than say in a um, tango or in a, um, a certain kinds of dance that, that seems to focus a lot more on using the legs or steps, uh, steps yeah. So why, where did that begin? Why are we so, why are you so expressive with the arms? We, you, you, you know, the point is you cannot say why it's happened, mm. why we starting to move their, our arms, but moving arms is a very natural thing. When you want to move, walk even, you use your arms to keep your balance, to express things. So when you want to express something, you don't express it with your legs. You express it with the arms. You know, gestures are with the arms. And this is something that you will see it in all the Asian uh, you know, uh, movement. So mm. if you look at Indian dances yes. or you look at the Indonesian dances or dances from that part or even Japanese dancers, Chinese dancers, uh, Uyghur dancers, whatever, all of those, they have this, uh, um, you know, quality of using the arm movements. So you, and when you go back to this style of dance, you can absolutely not say where the exact movements right, are coming right. from but when it, you when you talk about it being flowing yeah. another observation i would make i mean this is just based on what i've seen of iranian classical dance but uh it's not about speed it's usually the dance does not seem to be about it's not how many times can i do or like a rocket how many how many times can i do a can can in a, in, a, in a minute or something you know it's not like a it's not the whirling dervish it's not the co- russian cossack going as fast as he can around the it's it's very it's very elegant gradual movements yeah i think it's because of the transitions of the movements you want to create in my opinion in this dance Mm -hmm. you want to create the feeling that you have also in our culture in uh, in our art you know when you come back to character of our art Mm -hmm. in iranian art you will find certain things certain similarity let's say we will use curved lines when we are using the you know uh our miniatures or your are in classical paintings when we are saying in our literature in we are when we are saying a certain poems there is this uh, lines of you see this is so has a, a consistency across the arts yeah when you are looking in our the rhythm that main most famous rhythm that we use in our music is a six eight rhythm mm-hmm. even if it was ever seven uh, they think it was a seven but it's like 
closer to the six, the seven that is more closer. So it has a round feeling of movement. So when you have this round feeling, which could be, uh, has to do with our philosophy, mm. like like what is Abu Abul Sina saying, or uh, or Khayyam is saying that everything comes back and you know you are in the, this circulant uh, idea of existence, then you will maybe, because of that, we chose for mm. this, roundness or maybe it's more simpler thing that is very close to our body you know in our mind because we don't have anything in the nature that is a straight line everything is round nothing in the nature you know in the geographical nature that yes. exists that is completely straight everything has a bit of you know uh, broken line so the point is maybe it's more closer to our body that we use things that is closer for us it's so interesting. It's so interesting that you draw that parallel uh, across the arts. Let me let me ask you about uh, the confusion that uh, we have around uh, that I have uh, around what is and isn't allowed in Iran be- now or in the last. Uh, uh, 20 years say because obviously uh, immediately after the revolution there was no dance in the 1990s things start to open up a little bit there's the Khatami post Khatami era where mixed audiences are allowed I think some forms of traditional dance are allowed for women can dance for other women that type of thing um, wh- where are we at now uh, I'm going to ask you about your story in the last 10 years and, and going back and forth to Iran and some of what you've had to endure but but uh, it's very confusing for me. I can never figure out whether it's music or literature or films. I can never figure out this current government's um, rules and regulations because they're all yeah. over the place. So yeah, I, I know you can't hip hop dance in Iran. I you know. can also hip hop dance in Iran. I mean, you can. I, I, yeah, I, th- that's the point. It's a very gray line. It's not black and white. The most of the things in Iran and. I think most of the Iranian way of thinking is very black and white and is not they are, don't realize the grayness of the mm. things but how we however we live in a gray area in Iran we don't if you come to Iran you think that okay the 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 scarf you should wear a scarf everywhere you are not allowed to drink you don't uh, you are not allowed to dance you are not allowed to have a boyfriend or whatever mm-hmm. but all of those things happening in Iran still so it is a gray thing it is not mm-hmm. like no or yes, of course. But there's still young there dancers is, being arrested. This exactly. That's the whole gray part of it. You see. <laughs> yeah. So there not is, so gray if you're in jail. But no, yeah, but yeah. that's from the other side. That's the crazy about it. Why, if it's someone would be arrested, somebody else could be perform. Mm. You, that's the point because yeah, you have yeah. performances in Iran. You've and done performances. I didn't done performances. Well, you did per- workshops. I or? did workshops okay, in Iran. Okay. And the point is, in Iran, in the past ten years, let's talk about past ten years because in the beginning of uh, of this Islamic um, government uh, Republic of Iran it was absolutely not possible which is not strange because we had the war with with Iraq so people concern was not art at all nobody's concern was art Mm. after that we economically we starting to have more freedom of you know uh, living our life in Mm. a normal way i i believe all the other art forms starting to you know being more performed and also the dance so the dance was there on the ground for very little community that had the access to okay but in the past 10 years 
this it's starting to become more and more and more. So there are people like, for example, um, a lady, Farzane Kaboli, Khanum Farzane Kaboli. This lady, she uh, she was all, all those years there. But in the past 10 years, she did perform in the biggest hall of Iran, which is Talar Vahdat, not even past 10, past 20 years. She did perform there. She had a mixed uh, audience, audience mm. which is men and mm. women, mm-hmm. for p- her performance, mm-hmm. but also a performance for only women. If you want to perform there, you need to have a permission from the government. And also they will, um, not only the permission, but also they will come and check you know, in the visual way, you're, you have to do a rehearsal, they have to look at it, and then they will say if it's allowed or not. Right. So if you give this permission, if you have take this permission and you are um, able to perform, then you're gonna go and perform it. So if this is our, the women performance will be only for women, and sometimes the women performance will be even for also men and women, mm. mixed, mixed, public and uh, they first of all they don't use the word dance rags they right. use a word that is actually the translating of it like controlled movement or theatrical movement or physical theatrical movements those kind of words you know and they use it in the concept of the theater mm. so in a play and uh, the concept starting to change so then it will be accepted. So that's why it's a gray area. And to having this permission is not only because you have the quality you're getting this, is there is many as- aspects. One of these aspects is uh, you have to actually be very persistent into having it. Second mm. thing mm. is who do you know and who knows you? Mm. Who do you have in the government to have the connection? I mean, look, you. you even what all of what you've just explained, uh, which I appreciate that you you know all of these nuances, uh, and you're not saying this. Let me say, it. I, I just think this is crazy. It is I crazy. Find all of this is crazy. It is crazy. We're talking about people expressing themselves in through movement. Definitely. I mean, what what is the that, who are we protecting point. here? That's right? the point. That's yeah. the point. That's why I'm saying that if you say it's not happening, then you are talking about something that you doesn't exist at all. But when you are right. saying that it is happening, but has this situation, then you understand how difficult it is. Do you think the internet and social media has changed things? Oh, definitely. So the kid, the girl in Esfahan can watch yeah. a Beyonce yeah. video or watch of you dancing? Course. or what? Yeah. Yes, that, that internet having the access to the outside world, it also even in inside of Iran. So you see another girl in Iran is, uh, you know, dancing and putting mm-hmm. her video mm-hmm. on the Instagram. You think you get inspired? Okay, then I'm going to do it too. And the other one also doing it too. Mm-hmm. So that point is uh, officially you don't, it's not allowed but from the other side officially is allowed otherwise they will not perform that's the whole crazy thing you know there is like when i am living in holland i know if i pass the red light i will get fine doesn't matter who is passing it you will get fine but that's the problem in iran if you are performing one will get fine the other one not i did a workshop I was arrested the other one is my students they are they were in the same workshop but at the same time, they performed. They didn't get arrested. They could perform. Hang on so a that's second. I, the want, whole I, want, thing. I want you to actually tell this story because it's you. You make a decision in 2014 to start going back to Iran. Yeah. Uh, you do a few things. I mean, you're a performer yourself. Uh, you're you're an educator. I would say a researcher. And, but you also do workshops. You teach. Yeah. And you decide to go back to Iran 
and do workshops to teach, right, in, in, in Tehran. First of all, tell me about that decision. That's a big decision, yeah, I would think. That's the big decision because I wanted to share what I know with Iranian women. Because I, I have, uh, I am one of them. I didn't get the chance to to do what I wanted to do in my life. Mm. So I don't see it as, I didn't saw it as something for me. I saw it, what I have is not for me, it's for everyone else. Mm. If I, uh, I got this chance to do it, I want to share it with them because this is my mission, to acknowledge those people, Iranian people, and also people out from outside of Iran, that this is an art form and we have to be able to do it in the very natural way, not in the way that I had to do it. So I thought like this, I felt this as a, you know, very heavy thing on my shoulder, that a, a, a history of suppression of something that you want to do, mm. and this is dance, very natural thing, very normal thing, that I have it. And, I want to give it to the people that also are the same as me. An Iranian girl, a Iranian woman that is older or younger is nobody else than me. It's the same. Okay, so you start doing that in 2014. Yeah. For two or three years, it's benign. Everything's good. You're, I mean, you're you're doing these workshops. What what happens in 2018? Why do you get? Why did you get arrested? So the problem is, um, you see. When I started to going back, my idea was very naive, you can say it maybe, very, actually, maybe I thought very childish. It was love of my life. I wanted to give this love to the others. There was no other thing behind it. There was no that I am going there because I want to become famous. I want to earn money because I could earn money much more in outside of Iran mm. than in Iran. And also there was no difficulties around it you know very easy to work here but the point was different you know higher reason than my own uh, my selfish reason for myself mm -hmm. so but this was something that was not accepted or understood by many people that they were around there because first of all i was doing two things the changing a culture around these women that many didn't want to you know second of all for many people that they were living Sorry, many, there did, many didn't want to meaning who the government the government right they didn't like that they didn't right. like yes. that yeah, yeah. and then the second thing was um the people that they were working already there or people that they wanted to become you know the, the raise higher in the dance scene mm -hmm. so they didn't like that somebody suddenly came there oh, you okay. know very childish way like a hey yeah let's uh, let's do this happy without thinking you know very happy not having a certain mm. uh you know how can i say it in english that it's just that you can understand can say it in person uh, I want to find the right okay. word because right. this is a delicate matter. Yeah, yeah. You know, th there was no other reason that actually the love that I had. That's mm -hmm. the point. Mm -hmm. And uh, for example, the it was students, very authentic. You authentic. There was no agenda. Yeah, right, right, right. no agenda exactly. But you know, for example, teachers that didn't like that I came there, they thought like, oh, if Helia will come there and teaches our students, then she, they, she can steal our students mm. and she will bring an acknowledgement that maybe they didn't want to give them so there were many reasons for this that what's happened for me it's not only the 
political reason of it. It's was it's there the, something specific you did, or was it just it built up over time? And they it's, it was what I would build up over time mm. in those times that I went to Iran, and I and the, my my workshops they were it's starting to being bigger and bigger and coming more and more women from different part of Iran, you know, from from Ahvaz to north of Iran, from Mashhad to I don't know east or west of Iran. So there was not only Tehranian wow. people they are coming right. to, and not only one age these people they went to this to these workshops not because they wanted to learn only Iranian classical dance but they find a, a very small window to their dreams mm. that's the thing yeah for so for them was not only just having a class for them was I finally I found a way to connect myself to a dream that I am dreaming of you see so that's why maybe there was this energy inside of this workshop so on 2018 they um, during my uh, uh, teaching my class they attacked my class and they arrested me while i had the permission i i went for the getting the permission to mm -hmm. be able to teach in an institution that they were officially uh, official in institution so actually there was no reason to arresting me because I wasn't doing anything. What do they say to you when they arrest you? Do they give you a reason? Do they say they gave me? There is many reasons that we can make your life very difficult, and uh -huh. we're going to do it if you are not going to cooperate with us. What <laughs> did they want you? What, what they was they the, to me. How did they want you to cooperate? To cooperate, to give them all the uh, questions that there was there, and there was nothing special because I was uh, I'm not a political active person. I will never be. I am an artist, and I will be art uh, doing my art. And I never saw these two, you know, combining together because I am doing this because of the love that I have for the dance, not because I want to. Something is this is not a political reason. So Were you I scared. No, because I was so in love with what I'm doing that I thought if you put so much positive energy in your love, it's impossible it's going to turn against you. You were never scared. I wasn't scared Even at that moment. Even when they take you away, or they no, do. not at that moment. But I starting. I wasn't scared. I was worried. What were you worried about? I was worried that I cannot dance. Hmm. First of all, and I cannot come back to Iran. I cannot teaches to Iranian because that was my passion. And second worriness for me was that I will not see my children anymore. Hmm. That was and my husband. That was the. They're the, back in Netherlands. At this they point. were back in Netherlands because I didn't know what's gonna happen for me. That was the mm -hmm. worstest part mm -hmm. because they didn't told me you have to go to the prison and stay there for ten years or five years or one year. They just told me you have to wait, and they were and I was like. And waiting. you can't leave the country. I yeah. There was this restriction on me that I couldn't leave the country. For I didn't. how long? For a year. For a year. Yeah. So you didn't see your kids for a year. No. Oh my God. And of course, I don't live in Iran. Yeah, uh. you know. So if you don't live in Iran, you are you are gone for such a long time. It's a difficult thing to adjust yourself and staying at this or that. You know, family and friends. Mm. It was a very difficult time for me. And also, I understood that I cannot trust anybody because there was so many, you know, so many things were happening around me that. Mm. It was an awful time, let's say it like mm -hmm. this. But what I saw in those times was like, I think the worstest part was that I didn't know what's gonna happen to me. If I knew what's gonna happen to me, I could adjust my mind to it. 
And but the point was, I didn't know what's going to happen. Did they want you to say something like, oh, "You'll never dance again," or no. like some kind of? No, no. It just was. They were very respectful to me I, at the moment that they were talking to me or they asking me some things or, uh, you know, integral. Why do you think they don't want you to leave in Iran? Iran then, I mean, I don't have any idea why they did this to me. I cannot say what is the reason. You really because, don't. Because You're I wasn't in their mind. You see, right, I cannot say, right, but. Right. Honestly, that's the point. But it, what kind of accusations I have? I had a lot of accusations mm. for uh, different accusations. Uh, what they, I'm not going to talk about that part. Okay. It's not important. Okay. The point is that this happened, mm. and they had to do with my dancing. Then mm. they had to be to do with what I was actively working in Iran. And the crazy part is that I was a never been and will never be a political active person mm. because that's not the thing that I know enough about it because I believe if I want to do something in a politic I have to know enough about it and being specialized inside it I am a dancer that's that's it but in their opinion changing culture is actually being politic yeah that's they worry the point about that. yeah so let me ask you something first of all I mean having been through that experience uh it says a lot about you that you are undaunted. It hasn't stopped you dancing, hasn't stopped you teaching, hasn't stopped you interacting with folks in Iran. But with that as the backdrop, uh, whether they were respectful or not, you sort of being detained in Iran for a year and uh, having to go through all that. If a, if a, a young woman from Tabriz reaches out to you, and I'm sure they do all the time, and says, I, I really want to get into this, um, do you think it's okay for me to do that? Uh, do do you warn them? Do you say, well, you know, this could be problematic for you. This is what I went through. Or do you encourage them? Do you, I, how, what, how do you even feel about young women in Iran pursuing this? Because young women in Iran, they want to dance. They will dance. I mean, they are used to these kind of things. You know, unfortunately in Iran, everything, all those bad things is such a normal for mm. them. When you say that somebody is in prison, they say, like, yeah, you, they went in a prison for so long. You know, they, for them is right. such a, such right. a normal. Right. thing you know wow. the yeah. the very very uh, hard things for us for them is their yeah. usual thing so also about this the girl that is starting to do the dance they know that they could be also they're getting these kind of problems which they i am not the only one that i've been arrested i sure. mean they are other dancers uh, for example uh, miss farzana kabuli that i said she's been arrested not now many years ago mm. and been in the in the jail for i don't know a few months or something so she's stopped with the dan- mm. you know they tried to stop her with the dancing but she went on and on or there are more other dancers so i am not the only one but this is something that happened for me and i can of course talk about my own uh, personal experience do you have a daughter amongst your kids or are they all boys no they are They're all boys, boys. <laughs> if you interesting my question was going to be if you had a daughter and you were in iran and your daughter wanted to be a dancer would you would you say go for it i will i will definitely um um that this is how i think now I don't know, maybe if I was born in Iran and lived in Iran and uh, all my life, maybe mm-hmm. it was a different story, but I am living here. But I will always support them, whatever they want to do, who mm-hmm. they want to be. Mm-hmm. It's not my, it's not my uh, um, By living here, you mean, you mean Europe, 
<laughs> yeah, here being outside of Iran. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, exactly. when I was in Iran, I I don't see myself change so much in the way I'm thinking mm-hmm. because I I wasn't the traditional person even when I was in Iran because if I wasn't I was there, I definitely uh, wanted to become a doctor because I was very good at school. You know, I was doing the um, junk, uh, the section of the mathematics, so I was really good at school. It was mm-hmm. not because I couldn't or I didn't have the mind. No, I didn't want to. I wanted to become a dancer, being an artist. You said earlier, um, must have been about 45 minutes ago now, you said dancing for you is a fight. Your yeah. your life as a dancer has been a fight. Does it still feel like a fight? I don't want to fight anymore because I feel I changed after all that's happened. I feel that I done, done things that I, I I done whatever I wanted. You asked me if I was afraid at the moment that they, you know, arrested yeah. me. And the only thing that was, you know, uh, uh, went in my mind during that moment, at exact that moment was like, I done it. They cannot take it away from me. Mm. Why? Because I performed it. I teach us all the things that I wanted to teach. I educated so many people around the world, not only in Iran, it's not it's not uh, no one can take that away no, from you it's not anymore so i done actually what i wanted to do i have much more to give still at that moment i thought but i i they cannot change this anymore this stays forever in the history whatever wants to change it is impossible do you wish you could perform in iran that's my biggest wish not only for women but dancing and performing in iran on stage where everyone can come and watch mm. that's what i want um, you know, I, as a final question, I mean, we when we spoke before the interview, and you said uh, you have a new mission, uh, <laughs> and Helia's new mission is uh, is enjoying life. Yes, <laughs> my, my 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 You know, when how are you going to do that? Because yes. you seem like you've got a pretty heavy schedule of performing and teaching, and I mean, yeah, what's the new enjoying life yeah, part? Yeah, the point is, is um, being more aware of your moments. You know your your seconds, your moments that you are living. So not living anymore in that rush and that stress of life. To you know because I had a very stressful life all the time by doing things, performing and traveling and doing this and wanting that. And of course, still I want many things. Like you know, I am trying to write a book, and I did. I write already a, a, a novel of a roman, and which is not finished. I should be edited and finding a publisher. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is like writing a book about Persian classical dance, which mm. I am trying to write it, but I need more time and of course more support and a publisher. <laughs> so uh, those are the things that I want to do more than only performing and uh, and teaching. And uh, yeah, and creating more space in my mind, not only in the physical life. And by that I can, you know, doing things fighting more from your not the outer words passion that i have but from my inner peace that i have that's a different way of fighting so definitely i will fight but it's in in a different way beautifully said are 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 any of the boys dancers no 
none of them but how, they love that how do you feel are you happy are you relieved that they're not dancing no <laughs> they I, I actually they went for a while to a ballet class uh-huh. but because they you know all they were girls and they were like you know this is in holland i'm talking yeah. about holland <laughs> yeah. but still uh, all the girls they were like ah he's a boy he's doing a ballet and so they stopped at certain point they one day drumming and the they other were one gender was piano, shamed piano. out of uh, ballet kind of yeah. but uh, yeah i think um no i am fine with whatever they're gonna do in their life it's such a pleasure thank you for doing this thank you for inviting me bye-bye bye helia bande uh, a visionary dancer choreographer performing artist and researcher helia has been with me here in the rook studio today and this is full time for Rook for today. Our website, rookmedia.com, is where you can find all things related to this program and the programs that we have on our network, rookmedia.com, R-O-Q-E, media. Check that out for the guests who've been on this program, our previous episodes, uh, our funnies, our videos. Thanks to the amazing team who put this show together. Savvy Roham, talented Anahita, Ponta the Artist, the fabulous Keon, Super Patty Saw, Smart Pega, Alay Merdod, Captain Reza, and Groovy Shaya. Thank you to all of you out there for supporting us and sharing our content. Please subscribe if you have not done so already. Find me on Instagram at Giangomeshi. And as ever, like we like to say, ready Shaya? Yes. Do it together. Mizun washing. <laughs> Where were you?